You ever had white coffee before? White coffee? Yeah. I tried That it sounds once. racist. Dude, this is going to be a crazy one. I'm excited about it. Me too, Episode man. 137, Gear Buds Podcast. I'm Henry. You're Dave. What's up? This is our podcast. Yep, We're going to do it. It is. We've been teasing this one for freaking months, months and months. Yeah at this point and i hope you can hear how excited we are because this episode let me just get this out of the way we're going to talk about the freaking beatles boomer style for a long time may contain spoilers if you haven't (laughs) seen the the film yet also they just had this giant documentary come out we watched it we're going to spend most of this episode we're going to do our normal symphony in the beginning but then we're just going to spend the rest of the time talking about that documentary and the gear so if you don't want to hear about that all episode and us be lame boomer boys about it uh, (laughs) if you hate the beatles if you hate the beatles or us uh just turn this one <laughs> off maybe just go back and listen to when yeah. we interviewed i don't know dave pensato how about that there's one? a good one how about that one of our first you want to throw ever. it back yeah dude we've done so many of these things so many episodes it's great 137 today do you re- do, do you feel like you've you're forgetting stuff do you re- do you think there's a lot like that you wouldn't remember if i was like when we did this do you there, do you think there, that you're there are things yet where you'd be like no that sometimes sometimes i can like <laughs> pinpoint things well, it's, it's gotten that way with documentaries. Like, I've forgotten, like, which ones I've watched now. You need to, dude, let's, I need a make, list. let's I make the list. Let's the master do master list. Let's just, like, have a little gear the thing is too, on it. I mean, I may watch some again because I just want to, like, some of them I enjoy so much oh, I that I might bring it back. stuff, dude. Yeah. And it might, it might, you know, you might get a surprise Dave's doc how, one day and you'd be like, do you, re- do, you re- do you rewatch TV type things? Uh, like, maybe once a year, but maybe, like, once every two years. Like a season of something that you really sure. like or whatever, like The Office or something. Okay, so you you still you still cycle back through shows like that. Well, like um, I'll watch Gimme Shelter again just because it's such a fucking mm. insane documentary. So you know, which made my top five, of course. Um, so you know, oh, don't it be, did. That's right. Yeah, was it, I think that was, was number one. Actually. It might have been number one just because it was so fucked up. I might have a new number one though, man. We'll get into it. Whoa! We'll get into it. I need to react to that giant bomb you just dropped. We'll get we into need to it. Update Uncle Dave's Dave's doctors. Yeah, Doctor Dave's Dave's docs <laughs> top five for all times because you just told me that you Maybe. might have a new. You might have a update. We're gonna list. talk about it today. I don't know. We'll see. I'm so deliriously excited about this. That Coffee's kicking in, man. I'm feeling it. I'm just having. I'm having my second cup. Nice. Well, I usually do like that kind of half. Yeah, cups. you're not the drink all drink coffee all day kind of guy. No, I do. I like some things about that and not other things. I do it to a fault. It's pretty bad. I do like that after lunch uh, coffee. It really gets me back on my horse. Yeah, if honestly, I'm, that's that's hard. usually the best cup for me. Yeah, if I can do that, like especially if I like didn't drink coffee leading up until after that, because then I get like the little sleepers. Yeah, and you just get the little caffeine boost. I throw a Ups little, and bit, downs, little bit of chocolate in there, and then uh, I can have my little mocha. What beans are you working with these days? I'm just rocking a simple intelligence. Yeah, if yeah. I don't, if I run out of dark matter and right. I am at the grocery store, I just get that because it's like the best whole roasted beans you can get. The where it like has a date on the bag, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This shit is fresh, man. All right. Here we go. We haven't, <laughs> Let's do dude, it. We've been like misfiring the whole. Not, I would not say misfiring. It's going to be a fun one. Firing, side firing. Let's get into symphony corrections. Here's your weekly reminder: cables are tone tubes. Hey, you listen to us, ding dongs, talk hey. about ding dongy stuff and the Beatles. This one, thank you, thank you. We love y'all. Thanks for being our buddies. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We like it when you do those things. At Gearbuds Podcast, subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Dude, I've been saying, I've been threatening that I was going to fix the 
Apple Podcast image. Just, Still haven't done just it. Just leave it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's fine. And it's just a little confusing. Yeah. Yep. But uh, if you're confused about anything at all, uh, gear or life related, honestly, gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. Hit shoot us, us a up. message. Yeah. Uh, some people do shoot us messages on things. Wanted to shout out a couple of those because I keep forgetting. Uh, first of all, we had a correction from last week. Very good. From one of our listeners, uh, our friend John Hummel. Hi, John. He let us know that uh, Bert is short for Albert. Oh, duh. Yeah. So we really uh, screw the pooch Bert on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that part from last week for sure, man. That was funny as hell. Dude. Uh, uh, well, sorry for all the Alberts out there. We didn't mean to offend. I know. Uh, yeah. I actually know some. In fact, there's one a buddy at CME. He's a nice man. Right. Uh, also, uh, he John also mentioned us. He shut, he was a little... Uh, the, the Spotify year wrapped stuff started coming out. Oh, yeah. You know, like you can go see your thing and then brag about it on social media, how cool yeah. or uncool your screenshot listening habits it, are. Yeah. Uh, they make, you don't even have to screenshot it. They just make it easy. You just like hit the share button. Oh, okay. He uh, shared one. Uh, he uh, Gearbuds podcast was his number one podcast. Wow. Listened to. Thank you. So thanks for sharing that as well as the aforementioned stingray and that microphone you're bopping into right now buddy <laughs> uh he's also one of our top listeners yeah. so you're you know you're putting you're putting our kids through school hard the kids that we don't have appreciate the or, revenue you're putting our cats through school yeah, right. uh, that we don't ever get from any of the stuff because spotify is a black hole and sweet oh but also john yeah john uh thanks again man you're cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing stuff. And you, Stingray, you're sort of cool. He's pretty cool. I want to hang out with you sometime soon. Forgot to look into that. I feel a almost more bad doing this uh, episode without Stingray because he's such a Beatles fanatic. You know? He is a. He is. Uh, um, but yeah, you're right. He could have. He could have definitely said in here. But let's be honest. Stingray is here. That man, his voice just sounds so good. I, yep. He would just dominate the entire conversation because I'd be like, all right, well, I just don't want to talk anymore because it's Stingray. Yeah. And he'd probably be using one of his fancy vintage ribbon mics that he has and all sorts of crazy right. setups. Showing us crazy. up. Oh, he, you know how he does it. Yeah. Uh, this is, I'm not sure if this is a BFI or GFI, my friend Dave. Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. This we'll get is to the bottom. A, this of is it. a new product. I'm going to describe it to you. It's by, It's called Guitar Slip No Mo, but no more. I just like to say no mo. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know, honestly. Oh, I, you know what? I got the press release, I think, for this. I was going to say I'm not sure how I even found out yeah. about this. It is a product that you f- affix onto the lower curved bout of your guitar. It fits 12 brands and 60 models of guitars. Mm-hmm. And as the name might have given away, it is designed so that you, your guitar will slip no more. Okay, when you're seated. While seated. It would be perfect for like ovations or something. We were talking about those a couple weeks ago. And how Does just... not fit ovations. <laughs> Come on, the one guitar that really needs it, you know. Yeah. I had the, that. That's so. I'm, you know, man. It's it, it just reaffirms me in my life when you do things like that because I had that was my first thought too. Buddy. Yeah, and then I was like, well, then Strat acoustics, same. You know. Same, oh, that does same. have. I think Any, that's how we came with up that with plastic. Yeah, back. that's right. We talked a lot about ovations sliding around. I've never but, had a problem with the guitar sliding off my legs. That, okay, that dude. God, you're. I can't Sorry, even get my I, questions am out I stealing anymore. Am I, stealing <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you. We're had just vibing, man. We're on the same page right now. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't complain that you're making my life easy, buddy. <laughs> uh, dude, yes. Yeah, I, I don't really feel like that has been. But but I guess the only as I now sit here and think about it, maybe it's a problem if you're like a much smaller person that it would slide off. But I I don't know if that's true or not. That's like the only shorter thing that I can see. shorter knee to thigh, or even just like the the circumference of your thigh. Ah, you know? yeah, maybe I'm not sure. But I saw it. It's not that expensive. It kind of you know when I see it on, 
is it is it very attractive no if it, if you have a black guitar probably sort of not that noticeable anyways can you describe it for me like what is like is it a sheet is it a sticker? it's just like a you, you know what it kind of reminds me of you know those uh have you ever seen you know those little dunlop or like different types of brands make those clip-on uh mic stand guitar pick holders mm-hmm. yeah it's sort of kind of it, and it's just like this sort of piece of harder ribbed plastic or something like that designed to form fit onto the the mic stand kind of had a vibe has a vibe similar to that just like a hard black mm-hmm. non-descript, nondescript plastic kind of look yeah that when it's on you know what it kind of reminds me of have you ever you know those um like a gretch like white penguin or something like that when it has like that little upper bout forearm protector sure that sure. on some guitars yeah, once in a while I've seen that. yeah the, when it's not quite it's not as like fabulous frankly or or even perhaps garish depending on your fancy yeah yeah, on your point of view same it it kind of like but it it takes up about that much space when you're looking at the front of the guitar okay you know what i mean yeah like the way that it hangs over i keep i feel like i've said you know what i mean too many times today i do um i do know what you mean though (laughs) you ought to know um no i uh i i mean put it in the category for me of things that i definitely don't need you know yeah, but That's I guess for that. it's you know I shit I don't think I rolled the prices down. They're probably in like the thirty five dollar range. I feel like there's three different sizes, so the chances are it'll fit your Strat or Les Paul or whatever. I don't know, man. I I it's interesting to me. I I don't I don't know. What to, I was I didn't know if I was gonna get elicit a larger response out of you. I feel like you know there are so many different little guitars products and whatever that can exist maybe it does actually solve a problem that exists i just did i was curious if you ever even would have think to have seen it as a problem no i mean well and that now i'm thinking electrically because i thought acoustic at first Mm -hmm. obviously but it was i didn't see it on any acoustic guitars actually Ah, so it's really more for electric electric guitars yeah well you know when i'm seated i don't know about you um but say we're in the studio recording and you're you know writing apart um i wear my strap when i'm when you have it slung over you i do so sometimes i like to kick the legs out like that oh you know? i see yeah dude yeah kick it back. and then you can kind of hang it like down. you're on a, ch- a chaise lounge yes exactly i i i'm with you i always do mostly for me is i just like never take my straps off of my guitars yeah me wow, too. i don't think i've ever i haven't really like thought about that specifically before my guitars just yeah. whenever i put them in a case or anything I just leave the I just, strap with right the on strap it. unless this if, unless it's like if it doesn't fit. prohibitively large because i use strap locks yeah but yeah even you, you use those girls boys on yeah. there so it's like it doesn't even matter well i was thinking about it i think with the hard case i would have to take the strap off in a lot of cases with with my fenders um because it's such a tight oh Oh, sure. Yeah. But I use gig bags now all the time. So that's kind of, that's where I'm at with that. I'm with you, man. You know me, I love that mono bo- mono life. Yeah, so that's out there. If, you, if you're if okay. you interested, guitarslipnomore.com. Like you can buy them. 12 brands, 60 models, or three sizes. So you figure out which one you got. Les Paul, Strat, whatever. It fits okay. that kind of stuff. Even for the offset bodies, like the like the jazz master, I think it e- I think it might even work with some of that kind of stuff. Interesting. But, you know, I'm, I'm not their brand ambassador, so nope. I don't forget. Just new know. stuff that's out. Another new stuff that's out uh, for, and I am one of these people. If you are a user of the Moog Animog app, which I paid for, it seems honestly it might even be like ten years ago. At this point, in the on the in the app store, uh, on your app iPad, Apple device, there is a new version out, the Animog Z, which is actually free. Hmm. So you can like for any anyone can download this for free now and it's way updated futuristic i'll be honest i downloaded it have not spent time with it yet but it's out there speaking of new stuff uh that i'm excited about because it's a it's it's probably my favorite that i've ever used and there are a few that i really like including sampler and a few other ones that i would mention but the might be my favorite ipad music app of all time and now there's like 
it's being even even being ten years old, it's still fucking badass and sounds awesome. And now there's like the next gen super edition. Oh, that's version. great. I'm guessing that since it's free, <clears throat> there must be uh, paid add-ons inside the app. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. But I don't care because it sounds awesome, and you can do a bunch of cool stuff. So you're getting with it. that shit. Oh, I already downloaded nice. it, but I have not used it yet. Cool. So check that out, folks. Let me know what you think it is. Oh, okay. So there's two more things that we're gonna we're gonna talk. This is a this is a heck of a weird episode. I gotta say, I'm liking the vibe so far. I know, me too. Uh, there's two more things I want to say before we get back to being Beetle Boys. One is you threw a pretty funny curveball at me the other day that yeah? I just wanted to mention. Refresh my memory since really we text fast. so often. Uh, I was it, on the pod. Oh, I'm sorry. I we I don't even I don't even know what sentence I just said. Uh, <laughs> You 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 texted me this guitar. Normally normally you'll like give me a little, and I feel like both of us do this. We'll give a little preamble. It's like oh here's yeah. a link, but then it's also like here's this like funny little tidbit or whatever. What and you just like it, yeah. you just like slow bloated at me with no fucking context. Okay. And so you sent me. It was just like an innocuous 1978 Les Paul standard on reverb. Okay. I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's a good price or something. So oh. I click it, and then it's like, oh, I guess yeah, that is like not a. This is about what it should be, yeah. I guess. It was like high, high two thousand. Are you talking about Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I actually have a screenshot oh of the fucking guitar in the, oh, in the outline so right now because this guitar is just. I can't. Even, I don't even remember the front of it. It might have been like a vintage Sunburst or black. I think I it was black. Remember. Yeah. Just like a normal looking Les Paul yeah. that era, I'm and and it doesn't say anything about it in the title, so I'm just like scrolling. It's like normal front picture, normal front picture, headstock, headstock, boom, boom, hits you with the with a picture of the back. The entire back of the guitar, not the neck, but just the the yeah, body the of the body. guitar, has been sanded away, mm-hmm. so it's just bare wood and like real horrible, like large, hippie. deep. Carving, carving is all throughout the back of wood this burning. Paul. Maybe it do, I don't even know if any of this was burned. It honestly, to me, it looks like it was just like cut in with a knife. And the, predominantly, there it just says Andy right in the back of it. Yeah, and it must have it's, been Andy's guitar. Did you read the description? Because the guy's I, like, yeah. the guy was like, if your name's Andy, this is this is the guitar for you. Oh, that's right, that guy. He wrote basically <laughs> like this this really strange, it was very strange. descriptive, but kind of funny mm-hmm. and interesting. Uh, not 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 anything about the specs of the guitar, just this like crazy story that he wove yeah. around something the guitar. Something about getting high and playing with a with a wood carver. Yeah, kit or something. a lot of a lot of. It's carving. got like the um. My favorite part was uh, well, Andy obviously is hilarious because it's just in huge letters. But then there's a uh, there's like a trail of mushrooms like going around there's the mushrooms edge. around the top. Yeah, of it for sure. It's so it's funny. hideous and, oh, and lovely. And I bet it I bet it sounds just mediocre as hell. It reminds me of uh, my LGO has that somebody went nuts on the back of it with like a marker. At least that time. was paint. So or like paint, it didn't yeah. like or paint pen or whatever the fuck it was. So you could probably like, sand it off if you wanted to. Or but it also it's not just like deep gouges yeah. throughout the whole body yep. of the thing. I guess a lot that little frankly that might even you know now that now that I would get here that might even be a fucking bonus for this guitar because yeah. those guitars and I own one myself and I've played a lot of them. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. They're all heavy yep so pulling a pulling a bunch of paint off the back Couldn't and then chiseling <laughs> what i was actually doing the guitar a favor now maybe it's more ergonomic it. too it's like not completely flat on the Dude, back yeah you know? he should have done put a big old belly cut in there well there, right. i guess there is usually a little bit of belly cut on a little bit anyway, yeah so uh i thought I you'd like that you one, hit man. Me with that <laughs> yeah because you know you're like oh black les paul standard cool I'll I'm a, I'm a, what's why those, they, we what's talk about les Pauls all the time and then you get to like the eighth picture of it i wonder why i didn't say anything boom andy that was a great one okay here's actually you know what dude back to back items in the symphony are your additions oh great because the next one 
you're like, hey, dude, I had this idea with this conversation that I had. Mm-hmm. And it sounded interesting to me, so I wanted to bring it up in the old podcast. Great. Because you said you were having a conversation with our buddy Russ about this idea of two things, sort of, really. One was uh, this idea of auditioning. Yeah. Yeah, he moved recently to a faraway place where he doesn't have, like, any... He doesn't know anybody. But Mm -hmm. he's trying to get into the music scene as a... Uh, a drummer for the last 20 years he's like looking for gigs and actually shout out to russ he's got one for saturday so Dude, by the time her. you guys Love listen to, to this it. on monday uh he will have already played his first gig in wisconsin ringo so. richard starkey himself this, yep. he's kind of our little transition into the the main he is, he is, he is. uh dude yeah so uh well i got also i mean dude, being a fucking drummer that makes it everyone needs a drummer let's yeah. be real i could use a drummer if you drum and you want to play with me hit me up yeah, I'm serious right? uh dude okay so but the idea is that like auditioning it, it can yeah. be this thing that even if you're not super interested uh, this is what i took from what you were saying to me earlier is that it, it it could be cool to still audition for stuff even if you're not necessarily like trying to join that thing yeah. just as a means of shaking shit up within yourself and having to react totally. in that kind of environment yeah yeah he well he said that to me so i called him on the phone because uh he texted me that he got this gig and it was like he's got to learn 50 songs in like you know four days or something what but, kind of tunes um just like covers like tom petty shit Rock and like and you shit, know beatles yeah. and stuff so he um and he called any so i wanted to just call him because he, he had the audition or whatever it was, I guess it's rehearsal because he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to know where the guy's cool. Did you guys like, I wanted to know about it. And he's like, yeah, it went really well. And then he was telling me, he's like, you know, he's like, why don't you ever just like audition for a band? And I was like, what? And I'm like, I'm in, a, I'm in a band. And he's like, yeah, but it would be really good for you hmm. to just try it. Even if you don't care, you either go into it with a sense of like, I really want to try to like impress these guys or impress myself. Or you go into it with this like, I don't give a fuck attitude. And maybe you just play some wild shit and like, you never know what could happen, you know? So it'd be a good test. It would be a huge test, a difficult test for many reasons for many players. I think, oh man, this is sparking so many things in my brain right now. I, well, me too. I was, yeah. As well, as, go ahead. I think it's what it's, what it's getting to me is then the second thing that kind of came out of what we were talking about mm-hmm. is this idea of writing an ad for yourself. Yeah. So like, if I were to do this in audition, right. you know, and I had to describe myself or any anybody had to describe themselves as a player or gear person, whatever it is, like, how do you write an ad for yourself yeah. to get a gig or get someone interested in having you be yeah. on their gig? And that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. Um, and very, very thought provoking. And you don't want to be too wordy, but you also don't want to be... Um you don't want to sound like an ass, you know, you, don't you want to communicate that you can communicate. Yeah. But not that you're, uh, well, I guess like you if, want you're, to sound if you're trying to get a lead guitar gig, maybe you don't want to use super fl- floral over the top like, lengthy <laughs> language, you know, and, and show that you're going to wank everywhere. Right. Uh, that way, you know, you can reflect that with your, yeah, I mean, somebody style. could read your ad and be like, we're not even going to like audition this guy. Cause we just, we already have a red flag for whatever reason, you know, know like the it. difference among there, there and there, or Please. two or your, that these Please. sorts of things you yes. know That's or important. just like ask a friend to help yeah. proofread it uh but what would, what would your how would you write that God, for yourself i man? mean it would it would be hard i mean i don't want to go through the whole thing now because I'm, sure. I'm sure if it gets give me, recorded give me, give me some bullet get bullet points yeah i mean i would have to say you know uh overly you know mostly classic rock influenced you know mm-hmm. um pocket player i would consider myself <sighs> dude i wish you'd hang out in my pocket sometime <laughs> oh, in your I pocket get... right now buddy. <laughs> um yeah i mean i think you know i would just try to keep it simple i mean and that is my approach for playing bass is that i i try not to go like 
two out, you know, two out there. I don't have a solo in my back pocket, you know, like that I'm ready to break out at any oh, time. Boom, 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 yeah, whoa, boom, check boom, it out. Uh, does not slap, I would probably add. You know? Dude, that's good. Yeah, I think people would actually That would get that. my... That, right. Shit, that would get the gig for me. Uh, uh, backup vocals. Dude, you know, hold on sing? one second. I haven't watched it yet, but I was suggested on YouTube, like my algorithm suggested to me the history of slap bass. No. And I and Shut I saved up. it into my watch later. It's a... A documentary it's about like the sixty history? minutes on YouTube, and I'm gonna wow. <clears throat> definitely have to watch it, and I'll send it to you as well. Oh, dude, please do. That's fascinating. And now you've got my wheels turning over there. And by the way, I, I want to reiterate, and I, I want to go back uh, a little bit. Oh. Uh, I'm not saying to uh, waste people's time by any means. Don't go to an audition if you don't really intend on. That's like, a good clarification. Doing something, sure. you know, I don't, I'm I'm not encouraging people to be like, oh, just go waste four other guys' time and and you know stuff like that. But That's, that sounds more like your mental approach, the way you're putting you're putting it in your yes. your own personal context. Like, yeah. okay, if I don't get this, it's not the end of the world, right. but at least it's going to help me bring something else to whatever my creativity is. Yeah, and you never know what connections you could make too. I know. Oh, good point. I know for us specifically because of these other guys that he's playing with this bass player is having him play with this other band so now he's already in like two bands it's great so um who was i just talking to i think i was hanging out with my friend sarah and she was like you know she's not in the music industry or whatever mm-hmm. loves music but isn't like sure inside i don't even know what the context was but for some reason she like watched something or learned something about how and it had just sort of connected the dots like she was like oh, i just sort of realized recently like once you're in one band like then you're kind of like, oh, then other people ask you to do stuff. And then sure. you're just like, it's all the same people doing all the stuff. With, yeah. Like you're like, you realize it's like, oh, it's this guy from this thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's your, the point that I think you're making right mm-hmm. now. Where it's like, if you just show up and do something, it might not be even the best gig ever. And you might not get, even get the gig, yeah. but then you might meet someone who are, or, or they'll, they'll be like, Hey, I like met this guy and he didn't play my thing, but he, I know you're looking for somebody and maybe, right. maybe he could work for your thing. Well, that's exactly it. You might have, you know, within that group of the four other people, there might be one other person who has another group and they need you for that gig you know so really it's uh it's a good way to network man especially if you move somewhere you know where you don't know anybody i mean we we've been so rooted in the chicago music scene now we we could put together a band if we had to exactly or or the very least know where to look to find those yeah yeah exactly so yeah man if you if you're out there listening to this and you're looking for a gig just go out and audition you know give it a shot well i was gonna ask you what you would uh say about yourself as a guitar player audition lead guitarist I have I couldn't help but think about it a little bit, you yeah. know. Uh, I th- it's and it's a strange thing. So I think the first part and it goes back to something we we're talking about this idea of intent. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, first of all, there are exceptions to the, what I'm about to say. Like if you know, fucking Metallica's listening right now, and they're like, hey, Kirk Ham- <laughs> James Hetfield can't play, but we need a rhythm guitar player to sure. play all of James's parts. Yeah. I would I would say okay fine I'll like play standard guitar twist my arm guitar, or standard yeah. tuning guitar again right I'll relearn all those parts let, let, let's let's be honest I know ninety percent of them yeah. already anyway so I'll relearn all those parts I'll do it but okay so to get back to the reality of the situation if if I or and I should maybe even do this I'm put here's my little digit this is it here it is this yeah, is my we're talking my digital it. audition okay folks if, if as if the previous one hundred thirty six episodes weren't enough <laughs> here's num- one more okay so. Anybody that listens to me talk about myself all the time on the show knows that I play in a different tuning and I've really changed my playing to suit sure. that tuning. So I, d- I would prefer to come into a situation where, uh, you know, we could create and you, I'm open to you telling me things that you need out of my playing, mm-hmm. but I, 
I want to interpret that through the use of tuning. my tuning yeah. and capos, yeah. basically, if if necessary. Yeah, but if it was like a four chord song, you know, E minor, whatever, you you can get around on that on your tuning. Totally. Still. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, then it really shouldn't matter what tuning you're in. Unless I think, I think some people might be sort of closed minded that there are some bands like I've known pe- bands and people in situations where they were hired to be in. And then it's like, you know, I you you have to play every note as is on the record exactly as it's sure. There, you know sure. what I mean? So it's like at that point, then I probably would have to just go to the whatever the tuning was <clears throat> yeah. in, the, in that situation. And and I'm just frankly not in a p- place in my life where like that sounds super interesting to me. I would rather be creative and write new things yeah. or be able to like interpret or add on to something via my my means that I've developed. And I think the other side of it could be too is like, you know, like uh, when I played your bass the other day, it's it's dropped to like C or whatever. CG, CG. And if, you know, if you're going like for a Beatles cover band and you're not going to play in that because it's going to be just too low sounding, you know what I mean? I would have to do most things with the capo at the fourth fret to get it up to uh, E, you okay. know what I mean? Like, and on a bass, That'd I mean, be a quick way to kind of go back and forth, then I guess. Well, that's right? what that's sort of how I've figured it out. Like, I can play in, in open position. I know where all the scales are and the right. relative things. So I can like do that. And then it's like, well, if I know that the song isn't in C or isn't in, I guess, a minor, like a relative key, whatever, I'll, I can move the capo around to positions that I know where it will work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I also understand like, and this is, this is a big old digital audition right here, but uh, <laughs> I understand why, why that might be problematic for some people. I can, I can adapt very quickly with it. I've gotten very fast with my tuning to sort mm-hmm. of figure out like, like every most days I'll like put music on in the background and then just like play along to it in my tuning to figure out where the melodies are and yeah. like, you know how to, and it, dude, it, it turns out having a guitar in, in C and, and G, uh, covers us tons of music. Like, Oh d- yeah. And that just even right. being down, having, having the ability to go down to anyways. No. That's yeah. That. The other thing that I would add to it is that I think, my versatility is is i would say is my strong suit in that regard in, in a, or in a different regard because i play piano and drum kit sure reasonably well that like i would like to be in a scenario where i could at the very least do piano keys along with guitar they have that option right i play i play piano every single day and keyboard and like and and i'm not, and i'm nowhere near like i can't like solo and do lead stuff like yeah, i can but you on know guitar. all the chords and you can get around i it. can get around yeah. and, and have have a, have a decent enough time like i'm not um is a spoiler alert uh good at i would i would not say that i'm as good at piano as paul mccartney for instance right. uh, watching him play a lot of piano <laughs> in that documentary but um I can, you know, I can get, I can make stuff yeah. happen, and I think I have something to. Well, say you put with that it. on your audition, then you're. Saying. That's part of my. Yeah. That's part of another another bullet about me. So going back to the tuning, would you mention that you play in this specific tuning on your ad? If you were putting out an ad for yourself to get people to call you to come audition for their band, mm-hmm. would I, you mention the tuning thing? I well, I think so, but I also I, now that we're talking through this, I feel like this would have to be an audition that involves at the very least audio, but preferably just like video also of me playing guitar. So mm. you can see and hear what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I could show like it isn't just one thing or another. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how I apply it. So I think that's important. Cause yeah, if I just say like, Oh, I only play in this tuning, like get fucked. Right. Uh, that might be weird. But if you then hear that, like I can just play like both, you know, whatever a fucking rolling stones cover and yeah. like a crazy lead and some weird acoustic tapping stuff right. or whatever all in the same thing yeah. then it's like okay it's it's oh not, yeah it's not it's less about the fact that it's these specific notes and strings than yeah like, yeah i agree you know, well the, you know the, and you could even do some sort of mention of that like i do i prefer this tuning but i can go quickly back and forth into whatever you know like yeah. uh, uh i can snap in and out of it so but also if you if you really need like standard tuning stuff 
let me get behind that piano and plunk out some chords and yeah. then I can do that pretty well. Cool. Uh, and then finally, I would say the last thing I think that's important to talk about because this is Gear Buds podcast. That's right. The gear. List the gear. Uh, I don't know if I would list the gear. I think I would just like maybe even just show like the podcast. Like, by the way, yeah, um, we know I have a gear podcast. So yeah. like uh, that I've, you know, recorded for years and whatever. And it's like because people will judge based on gear, you know, like I might mention I play a Fender, the, a Fender Jazz. You can just say like, a, you know, professional top of the line. gear yeah. or something you like you don't have to say like or right. even just like professional professional vintage gear or whatever yeah. like whatever however you want to couch it but like to say to show that like yeah i know what's up but also you don't want it i don't think you want that to be the focus like because you right. don't want to be that guy that's like oh god is he going to show up with like four pedal boards and right all that business but they also want to make sure you don't just have like a little like 20 watt practice amp or something like that you know? yeah so yeah probably would mention that in there then i guess as a drummer you don't really have to do that as much i mean drums are I shouldn't say drums are drums, but they kind of are, you know, in a way. Drums are drums. Oh, man. So our I know. Just got I, did you see how I almost caught Steve, myself? And then Steve, I, Steve, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I, I almost <clears> caught myself, <throat> and then I rolled into it. You did roll into <clears> it. <throat> so, yeah, dude. Um, I think that's – you got to keep it short and sweet. Like, yeah. Get a little playing in there. Maybe be like, uh, yeah, I can also record. I think that would be another nice cool. thing to know in there. It's like, hey, if, if, you, if that's an interest, a thing that you're interested in, I yeah. have a lot of experience doing that. Very nice. One last dude, I forgot there was one more thing. Let's, because let's talk. I man. just thought of it because we're gonna have a beefy episode. I know this is gonna be a big, a big a bit of a beefer. Uh, there's I still have so many notes after this. Holy shit! Uh, right, I was talking to our good buddy Max, former guest and friend and listener. Two things from him. One is that he's got this old, cool, a cool old Sony mixer. Cool. And he does a lot of his routing and and mixing and such through uh in his home studio well it's old and the caps were, sh- were starting to go and he told me that he's he's like going to do a full cap job on it which he's got much more uh patience and has been doing it longer frankly than i have w- uh with electronic work than i do to like take on huge projects like yeah. you can go through every single cap right and he we were talking about it and he decided that like while not all the caps have gone he's still going to replace all of them sure. because then it'll like created the if the idea the end goal is creating consistency yes. across the board then that'll do that but he also told me this little thing and i, I wrote it down because i thought it was interesting and then he said that there is a tell i read about for bad electrolytic caps hmm. which is that there is a dead fish smell when you heat the board near them hmm. so you know he uses a de- desoldering station or whatever and like heats up the board around it i don't even know necessarily on the clap but on on the cap itself but just like somewhere near it yeah and uh, he says, "Sounds like well, it's just like a, a slight aroma of dead fish." Which, no like, shit. on the one hand, you know that kind of sucks because it's like, ew, it's just it's like kind of dead fish. But then you know, but also you know, yeah, right. that's a that's a sweet little little that's, heads up. That's incredible uh, information. I and he said it's been true every time so far through really? the project when he's like tested them because he's taken some out that like were still fine and he, you know they didn't have the smell. That's fantastic. I wonder if anyone else can attest to that who's who's listening. You know, we, I we think maybe maybe our friend Steve, case. who we just insulted with that little drum Sorry, comment, Steve, I maybe you can give us an update on drums are not just drums what is causing the dead fish smell because right. i mean you know i trust max unless you know he maybe that's a side effect of uh this omicron or some bullshit i don't fucking know dude yeah, yeah you might want to get that checked out on, on that horribly dark and terrible <laughs> note let us get into my favorite two words that i get to say every week and this is going to be the rest of the episode you mfers because we're going to talk about Dave's docs. Dave, Dave, da da da. da. Oh God, thank you. You just saved it because I didn't. I did a really weak one, and then you (laughs) came in and saved the day. We're doing get back. Yep. Get buds. The gear buds. 
we're going to do a react like how it's like, Oh, gear buds react. We're going to do gear buds react to Peter Jackson's Beatles documentary. Get back. So folks fucking saddle up. We're about to talk about it for a while. now. Yeah. Fuck man. I, you Here's know, the deal. this is fun. I'm, I'm excited that we talked today. I didn't take any notes today. I have so many. Cause notes. I figured you would have some. And I also just wanted to keep it more of an open conversation. Here's what so. I'm thinking. How you feel about this? All right. I've got me. this little outline. We'll do a sort of, we'll kick it off. We'll talk a little bit about the background of it. Sure. Get into day-by-day breakdowns. Yeah. Before we get to the day-by-day breakdowns, I, I, I got, I've got to correct myself. I think this is gear buds. We got to talk gear for a bit. That yeah. will cause us to jump around a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I still would like to have a session where we specifically just get into the gear. Yeah. Then we'll do a little day-by-day breakdown. Yeah. Get into some of the main themes. I kind of liked how it was three separate parts so to exactly. me those three parts kind of were like you know those are going to be the three like the sections of this yeah. beefy part of the episode here yeah and then by the at the end that's when you get our hot takes some of the things that they didn't talk about in sure. the in the movie uh and are just overall i mean we've, we're gonna have to at the i think the last thing we should do buddy give it totally arbitrary ranking oh yeah since that's like a thing that has just been it's just been so important to me for yeah. hearing that come out of your mouth every week. So how do you feel about that? I feel great. I, I can't stop thinking about uh, uh, George's boots. Did you see those things? Oh, what a wonderful place to start. Let's did you see those it. things? I don't think I did. They were like pink, furry, paisley, knee-high boots. And they kind of like fanned out towards the top yeah, a little bit. Yeah, really weird. They're, they were like they were He-Man Indi- boots I think they were Indian. Yeah, that makes sense. Dude, those were... He... Okay. <laughs> this is where we're going to start then. <laughs> we're starting with boots. We're starting with George Harrison's boots. You know what? Let's you know let's let's come back to George's boots. We'll, let's do it. How, we'll, in, in the gear section, we'll... Let's put a little you, pen. You've in. got we'll, more of the we'll outline, so why don't, why don't you navigate us a little? I, a little dude, bit. I I'm so excited right now. All right, here we go. If anybody somehow, if you're listening to this and you don't know, I'm sorry, but here, I'm just going to give you the quick little yes s- synopsis of what's happening here. Peter Jackson, that guy that made freaking like Lord of the Rings and stuff, yeah. made a Beatles documentary, and mm-hmm. what what that means is that there was originally this movie called Let It Be. I'm going to start here. Actually, yeah. I've never seen Let It. Oh, Be. Oh, really? Uh, check this out. Oh, uh, shit. This, they're, they're, so the Beatles recorded uh, this record, and uh, it was originally a feature film. Uh, then, the, But there was all this footage. There was 60 hours in, of film footage and over 150 hours of audio stemming from that original Let It Be film project. Yeah. Peter Jackson and his team, that was made available completely to all of them. It was uh, more specifically, it was two 16-millimeter film cameras. Uh, running you know each day they had depending on the day like several hours but then uh they also had two they're called nagra recorders which well actually i want to talk about that a little Interesting. bit those are the um the field audio recorders that they had they were okay. quarter inch tape machines the i did dude i'm so like this is so not my world it yeah. turns out that that term nagra or nagra i'm not sure i think it might be nagra uh, is it was it's one of those like Kleenexy things that we talked about where right. it was like that was a brand or sort of like technology and then it's now people just refer to name, these yeah. like portable broadcast recorders as Nagras. Oh, cool! The, so that's that's where all this the audio footage or uh, yeah, all the audio uh, tape came from. Mm-hmm. That there was a lot of interesting stuff. I actually watched this thing with Peter Jackson talking about it. They with those tapes, you know, because it's they have both the those field recording tapes, but then they also have the, all the, like the eight, tra- mostly eight track recordings up from like the room, room microphones yeah, the when actual, they're recording the music right. and stuff. So that part of the challenge was like figuring out how those things go together. But then they also use this really 
interesting they call it like demixing software yeah. at first they were like oh yeah there, there must be all this like machine learning ai based music software out there right now to like help us because you know it's kind of noisy and cluttered mm-hmm. and they want to like get to the the vocal Clean audio recording like just the um, having conversations yeah uh and then <laughs> and then peter jackson was like oh we it turns out that like nothing that we wanted really existed so then in new zealand we just started an ai machine learning audio company to like demix this audio and be able to get to all the for this purpose specifically for this purpose it it came out of another film that he had made like he had started doing a little bit like getting interested in and sort of involved with with another film that i haven't seen i can't remember what it's called but then they like act for this they're like oh we need to take this super seriously and then they just like built a whole company around it which is crazy oh i didn't know that yeah man crazy uh so but oh but to back quickly to let it be yeah uh, I, so I looked in and I was like, why have I, why have I never seen that? That's yeah, so why strange. Have you never seen it? Well, it turns out that it has not been officially available in any form since the eighties. Like there was a home, uh, like a VHS, I think yeah. version released at one point. And that's the last time, like right now it is not available anywhere. It's not any, on YouTube you can't buy it. I, well, I, 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 I didn't look for that, but okay. like in terms of just like ways to, to stream only. it, watch it, buy it right. since the eighties, they have basically shelved it. Wow. No kidding. And none of the footage that they used in that movie, Let It Be, did they use in this documentary. They none said. of the same footage. None no. of the same. It's no. all from, obviously, it's from all from that. Yeah, the same days or whatever. And stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the other thing is that so originally they were like, oh, yeah, you know, if you follow the development cycle, it's like, okay, we've got, the, we're going to make a new documentary, right. which is this document. It's this, what get, get back is a doc about a doc, really. Yeah, it really is. It comes down to yeah. it. Yeah. It's a Dave's doc about a Dave's doc. <laughs> and the first, the original was like, okay, it's going to be a feature length film, maybe two and a half hours. Peter Jackson was working on it. He's like, this is trash. You can't do it. I did the math. Or he would say maths because he's not from America. Uh, each, because we didn't say this, each, the documentary is broken down day by day. Every day of this of this project right. has its own time allotted to it. You see it get crossed off on a calendar. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And he did the math and he said that like, oh, you're going to have based on how I want to do this, you're going to have like a minute and a half to maybe two minutes a day. He's like, that's not going to be enough. Right. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to make the movie that I want to make him and his editing partner. They made an 18 hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the first cut. Okay. And then they're like, damn, uh, I want to watch that version. Well, that's not gonna work. And that they start to finish. Here's the other, other little stat I want to drop on you. Four hours or four hours start to finish four years of work they put into this really of editing work yeah Holy we're starting from shit. the like trying to get do this two and a half hour things and realize like that's not going to work making the 18 right. hour movie then they got it cut down a few more times and then they got down to this final product which, which we're talking about which was about eight hours a bit under eight hours yeah. uh for all three episodes right. all, all together wow that's fascinating because i didn't even hear about this movie until like last summer so right, they isn't that crazy? For four years, they kept yeah. it that quiet. They did, and that was that was something that was very intentional. I think that they they said that they wanted to keep it under wraps. Did they stuff. talk about how wasn't it really supposed to be released as a one one like two hour movie? And it then, exactly, it was going to be a feature. Yeah, and then they made the then he's like that won't work because he's such a big fan. He realized that he's like, oh, there's just too much stuff that Beatles fans need to see with yeah. this. There's too much of a story to tell. There is, yeah. and that's another thing I want to say is that the the structurally they the beatles tell their own story in this documentary there is no narration no I love there it. is overlay of of sort of explanation of like here's a little context for what's going on right in the now. beginning is, of the film or of each episode right. they showed like they kind of relay like what is going on yeah and once in a while throughout like they'll drop mm-hmm. these little these little things in there but it's it's for the most part just straight up conversations told the story is told through the conversations of the beatles and glenn johns and everyone yeah. that was there you know yeah 
so that's really interesting. Uh, and, and, and I guess I, we haven't really put it in proper context. This is the month of January of 1969. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we talked about one of the things I want to say is that we, uh, th- there's this idea that there's like 150 hours of audio and then maybe what, like 60 hours of footage. And right. I'm not sure how much you notice video footage. I'm not sure how much you notice this, but some of the time it's pretty clear that the audio that you're hearing is not exactly yes. aligned with the video that you're watching. Yeah, totally. Sort of cleverly edited. You can tell that it was probably from the same day mm-hmm. or the same, no, it was definitely from the same day. Like that's how they did it all, but maybe not from that exact same moment. So they would splice or like a scene over. Um, I'm thinking specifically of the scene. I think it was in the third episode where, um, uh, Paul's kid is playing his daughter's playing around and they're kind of all like dancing and like exactly, it's cutting to them yeah. like jamming but then like you know then like Yoko's singing and like they've got but there's Dude, like layers got that on the outline there's layers that. of audio like, yeah, exactly and, Yo, that's uh, a good point I didn't really yeah, think about it and that I way. think they mashed some of it like, had just to right have. on top of each other right yeah it was cool that's a good call yeah one of the oh man this is you know what folks i mean let's just get get this out of the way we're gonna we're gonna try to keep it in some sort of outline we're gonna jump around a yeah, lot obviously that's what we do uh i don't know if you noticed this i didn't really think about it at first until I, I was kind of like putting the notes together on this. So this, you throughout the whole movie, Glenn Johns is the producer yeah. and leading up to this point, George Martin had always been their producer, yeah. you know? So like there had been other people and engineers like Jeff Emmerich and Ken Scott, these people in the recording room, but, it was kind of George Mar- George Martin's show, and if you, I mean, when you watch this, Glenn Johns was running it. George Martin was kind of just like he pops in and out in like a couple times. Yeah, he really. Uh... Which is this was very surprising to me. I didn't. I always thought of Glenn Johns as more of an engineer. Right. I'm sure everyone listening knows, but if you don't, like one of the most famous drum miking techniques is the Glenn Johns yep. three or four, depending on how you do it. Mike yeah, technique, that's right. which you actually see all over this movie by yeah, the way like cool. all of Ringo's kit you see the Glenn John technique but he's also running the board like he's talking to them he's in there you know fixing the PA like yeah. he's, he's in, in around all the time and also I'm sure you noticed the tape engineer who they showed a few times was Alan Parsons Alan Parsons man later of Alan Parsons Very project cool. obviously and then Glenn John's I mean I'm sure again people don't know if we but if you do, or if, no but if you don't like Glenn John's I mean he did Zeppelin one and like yeah. stones and like a bunch of stuff after yeah. that you know yeah, right yeah. away like right after that actually right yeah and, all within that same year probably uh, a couple other things I want to throw in the over, overview before we get into the gear. Uh, dude, I'm sure you notice this too, but I would say, I don't, I don't know about percentages, but like maybe half of the movie is the Beatles fucking around. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> That's what I love. Other than like the live concert, which even in some of that, they were still like, yeah. they still kind of dick around all it's the time. So much like fly on the wall and, and especially with no narration, you're just watching them goof around the whole time. Like yeah. the scene where they're singing with their teeth through their teeth. Oh man. I'm I so love glad that you part, brought that. Dude, that is literally the next note. Is it I have really on here after the fucking round is that they did an entire take yeah. of two of us yep. through gritted teeth. Yeah. Fucking Jeff, uh, Jeff Dunham, ventriloquist dummy so style. Funny. John Lennon's making the funniest face I've ever seen. The whole take too. Yeah. And they're like, ro- I mean, I, it was a multi-track. Like, so they're obviously rolling yeah. real tape. And then that, that actually, I, I forgot about that. Like every, that, that was kind of funny. Like every time they'd be fucking around and then Glenn would be like, okay, so uh, are you guys actually going to yeah. do a take? Cause like, I've got to change the tape again. If yeah. it's, it's, it reminds me that we're not just like in pro tools or something where it's just, you know, hard drive. You have infinite recording yeah, just time. Delete and there's some, it. there's a yeah. team of people in the other room in a tape room. That's like flipping shit that are around being paid and, to be there. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's flipping so great. Tape. 
Yeah, well, that's kind of the fun thing about that movie that I didn't realize. You know, they only had a X amount of days, what, two weeks to really like write and record? It was three weeks. And then they, I mean, they said, and this is going to be, I feel like once we get into the episode, sure. this is kind of like the main overarching theme, but they set themselves a huge goal yeah. to write and record a live record. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't realize that that was the thing. Like I never, in hindsight, like I, I never either. knew that this record was supposed to be like a get and was essentially a live record. I had no clue they were going to write, rehearse, record live record, and by the way, then make a TV special, right, to go along with all this. So yeah, they set this huge project out for themselves, and they were going to do it in three weeks. It obviously, as we all know, did not happen in three yeah. weeks. Shit happened in the middle. No spoilers. Then they kind of sort of came back together, changed it up. They had a, it. It was basically the entire month of January. Mm-hmm. The the uh, rooftop concert was January thirtieth. Right. They announced that this film was coming out on the fifty year anniversary of the rooftop concert, January thirtieth, twenty nineteen. Oh. And they, but that to your point previously, when they said it was going to be like a, that's when they're like, yeah, it's just going to be you know like a, a full length full length film. You'll go right. see it in the in the theaters and whatnot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that part of that goofing around aspect of it was them just getting back in their groove, too. You know, like, yes. you can't just be all business. It's music. You know, it's supposed to be fun. So you can't yes. just be like, we're only going to hard- do hard work today. Like, they're they're drinking wine. They're fucking hanging out, man. Dude, they did an excellent job of that. Because they would all, you know, they'd show up at 10. And, you know, obviously, some of them were later than others. And we'd see that, too. But, like, they would show up and get to work and yeah. drink coffee and tea and whatever. Yep. But uh, you're right. They, they, were, they did such a great job of, like, always just like setting a musical fun mood. Yep. You have to keep in mind, and I think this is a theme throughout the entire thing too, they always know that the cam- there's two cameras on them at all times yeah. too. So this could be their version of what they want to portray to sure. us too. Yeah, I didn't really think of it and that And dude, way. actually, now that now that we're saying this, I, we didn't mention it was, this was all directed originally by Michael Lindsay Hogg. Mm-hmm. Young fella. Younger, dapper gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just a, maybe about the same age as them, a little bit older, a year right. or two older. He had just done, he'd done a bunch of stuff for TV, like Ready, Steady, Go, or something like that for British television, and then also the Rock and Roll Circus, yep. which yeah. they gets referenced, and actually shown a couple times mm-hmm. in this, like when John Lennon was playing in that and everything. Um, I actually, just recently, uh, an, inter- an interview uh, in Rolling Stone came out that I read with him, where they talked about this and like some other things around the time, and you know the fact that like Ringo, dude, Ringo fucking hates the movie let it be he's like been saying really? he's like he's recently talked about how much he hated that wow. movie and and michael Lindsay hogg was kind of like yeah you know i get it but also i think people like kind of misremember what that movie was mm-hmm. uh, and this is something we'll get back to the sort of legacy but like the i you know yoko broke the band up and the band broke up but also like people forget that you know they abbey road came after this anyways yeah um he told this dude in this interview he told the story about when they were talking about Michael was sitting down with the Beatles. They had a couple initial meetings to talk about making this get let it be project. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had a name yet. I mean, I don't think that song, that's, that song didn't exist yet. Right. Uh, John who had Yoko with him already all the time at this point had like a little cassette recorder with him and he played for just like everyone sitting there. Like he made everyone listen to a sex tape of him and Yoko just having sex. Oh, and that's when Michael Lindsay Hogg was like, Whoa, okay. So this is like, his priority now is like him and Yoko. It's not him and the band anymore. Yep. Like this is like he kind of that was his like first realization. And he said, and they were always like kind of fucking around and joking. And but he said that even the band was kind of like, oh wow, that was awkward. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's. I mean, 
it, this is weird. I don't, I don't know if you're a fan of Yoko or not. We're gonna get. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get into. We're, oh, we're gonna get into. Because I want to get. Into we're gonna. It. We're gonna fucking get into Yoko. Right. I think we. I, I. I. We'll see. I think my. I'll say my feelings changed on the subject, uh, and that's it. I feel like that's uh, that's all we need to say before we get into what might be our listeners' favorite part of this episode. So if you wanted to skip ahead, this is a spot to skip to. Let's talk <laughs> about the gear in this movie, yeah. buddy, because I've got a lot of stuff written down. Very specific gear and very specific gear yeah so we talked about this we already talked about this audio was mostly mono from those uh those little uh, nagra recorders mm-hmm. uh and then they had the eight tracks um we're, yeah we were sweet my first note we already nailed it let's just get straight into the guitars yeah. and stuff so okay here i'm just gonna go through the list and we're gonna talk about each thing a little bit Great. bases Boom. yeah hoffner there's the 63 hoffner that's like the main 500 5001 do you call it 501 yeah. what do you call 501, that 501 500 slash no 5001 it's like 500 slash one right yeah yeah that's the classic paul mccartney uh that's the classic viola base if you viola will base yeah so there's the 63 that he mostly played in these sessions he also you see it a few times his old 61 that was like that used to be and that had the closer pickups together by the up by the neck that's what i was gonna ask okay right. so i think that that's, that, the, that's, that's referred the, to as the cavern club the cavern uh, club but base yeah which i didn't know until i was researching this uh that was stolen shortly thereafter i did like not know right that. after the those sessions they that base got stolen. i was actually wondering just uh generally if, if that gear belonged to the studio or if that was like all their personal stuff well okay so here's the thing so there was we'll, we'll talk about the like the back line basically yeah. it was all silver face drip edge yeah. fender Super all 68 cool. yep so that mean my guess is brand new gear that fender just sent it over yeah you know right because all that american gear in the uk you that wasn't easy to find back then over there no it yeah. was it was not like they didn't use vox for instance you until know? that's interesting so they used fender and it was all over it's at fender solid state pas like they had that all over yeah, the place yeah until they later on which we'll get to when they left the original studio and went to apple studio mm-hmm. uh then you notice the pa becomes a vox it's a vox mm, pa in that room that's right you're right uh so the fe- i think to answer your question i do think that that Fender probably just provided that shit, yeah, because they had a deal. And Plus, then, he had the Tele, the Strat. Well, we'll get into it. But so okay, yeah, a lot of Fender stuff. The f- the famous Rosewood Tele that was a prototype <laughs> that they made Super for him. Cool. That doesn't show up until a bit later. I think that wasn't until like episode two until you actually yep. actually start to see that. It's a lot in episode three. George's we're talking about George's guitars. George's yeah. main guitar throughout the beginning, and a lot of that session actually was Lucy. Is that the Les Paul? Which is the Les Paul. So yeah. for for the other Beatle maniacs out there, what was the yeah? What are the specs? That was that? a fifty-seven gold top really? that someone had refinished to red. I think actually Gibson refinished really to red. Yeah, because I was like, I didn't think red was a color back then that you could even order. So. Yeah, it originally had no. Yeah, fifty-seven would have been the first year with humbuckers. Yep. So <clears throat> it had the original PAFs in it. So it was a gold top refinished to That's red. Awesome. That was a gift from Eric Clapton. Oh, really? Who side thing? We'll we'll talk about him a bit more, but he, uh, he that was you know Lucy. Yeah, he he wanted he wanted Lucy to him or no the song Layla was about Patty Harrison, George Harrison's wife. Yes. He wanted to be mm-hmm. in her in her grits. And I think that <laughs> happened eventually. Yes. Um. So that yeah, those those were most of most of uh, George's oh, he guitars. Had, he had and the then Rocky. Eventually, dude, I love. Sorry, I love. No, I love it. I love doing this podcast with you. Jump yeah. in because you know exactly what's up. Then Rocky showed up, what and, year I was, was and I was that like, thing? "Oh fuck yeah, Rocky, dude!" I'm not Is sure, but I would guess. A, I would guess a '68. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because it didn't have the clay dots, I looked at like, no. pretty closely at the fretboard, and it looks like so it's a post sixty. Which we saw, we were at the NAM where they released the special the reissue, reissue yeah. like twenty or fifteen thousand dollar. Yeah, I think they only made like twenty of them. It was or not not like many. Right? Yeah, and it's that crazy cool psychedelic. Doesn't CME have one? Strat. 
I think they might have gotten two of them. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if they still do. Who the who the freak? Somebody knows. probably bought them. Uh, so those yeah, those are George's main guitars. Uh-huh. Which I would say again, mostly Lucy is known to have been most of that record. Yeah. Uh, then you talk about John. His Casino was pretty much the yeah. main guitar that he played. Was that original finish or did he sand the finish off? They, of that both thing? both him and Paul, who had casinos, I believe. Yeah, I didn't see both got there. Not in the, not in those sessions, but okay. I believe they all, or maybe they all got casinos at the same time. But they all had them stripped, or it was either uh, two of them. Or so three that them. wasn't like a blonde finish, or something. no, it wasn't. It was originally oh, cool. a sunburst that they that he stripped, and he said that it sounded better that way, which it definitely perhaps could have. Uh, and then, but then you'll also see him playing something that we didn't talk about, which might have been the, the instrument that excited me the most in this in this movie, man. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. What is it? The bass six. Oh, the bass six, dude. Um, well, not just you. I mean, obviously, Stingray brought it up, and then I've seen multiple people on Facebook even posting. Really, like, I really want a base six now because you see it a couple times in like the Let It Be, you know, film. Um, but really, everybody knew that it was around. I think it's in the Hey Jude video. Um, I think it is. Is it okay? I don't, I'm like not a, very. I'll be honest. I'm not very well versed in like I've listened to their music a lot more than I've like watched music yeah. videos and that sort of thing. But I've only seen it a couple times. If you really are, uh, if you got a little Woody for the bass six, that is a lot of footage of that thing being played, mm. man. Billy Preston's playing on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a couple Dude, times. Loved seeing that. Yeah. They all kind of and and that was the interesting thing. There were there, I was there must just not have been a right-handed four-string bass around you know because in the studio because like that paul plays lefty so they can't really play although there is later on we can i might as well spoil it now there's a moment where they're jamming on a a future george harrison song and then paul plays the rosewood telly upside down yeah they're playing old brown shoe yep and he's just just doing the lefty thing playing it upside down right that's awesome so but i was actually i was like oh i bet everyone's playing the six just because that was what they had there i have no confirmation of this but you know what you can quote me on it, folks. <laughs> what else was there? Dude, there was, well, we got to, I mean, I feel like this is going to be a, a thing that we want to talk about during the third episode, but like the Fender Roads in itself yep. played a huge role on that record. I think, well, no, the, I mean, this is 1969. Oh, 73 no, the, key. Sure, the, sure. 73 key, it was yeah. a 73 key. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's yep. right. Uh, but it was an actual Fender, like I think Silver Sparkle top. Yeah, so cool. Drums, obviously. Ringo's playing that Ludwig all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, with the towel on the snare drum, love the T towel and on the and on the uh, rack toms too. Yeah. They're so dead, dude. I honestly, I was watching. I was like, dude, I want to bust out my toms and put some T towels yeah. on there. Uh, oh, I guess there is a, there is acoustic too. We can't forget that. Mostly, Paul plays his Martin D twenty eight, which he had at the time. This is another super cool thing that I did not know, dude. So that most of the right handed acoustic guitar is George's J two hundred, that jumbo, that big Gibson. Yeah, both you see him, both John. Both him and John playing it a number of times in the movie. Uh, that guitar he later gifted to Bob Dylan, and then Bob Dylan no like played that. Did not stuff. know that. Yeah, oh, that's hey, fucking man. cool. So that's that is the get back slash let it be acoustic. Uh, oh, you dude, you mentioned this to me, so uh, I was very curious about this. Those black strings. Those are tape that Paul ones. played. Yeah, tell, tell me about these. Well, I just happened to come across some nerdery online. Uh, not that I was looking for it, but um, somebody posted something in one of the base forums or something. And yeah. what is they had that they had a snapshot of the yellow wraps on the top of the strings, okay. and then a close up of the actual fretboard where you could see they were black. And he's like, yeah. "These are nylon tape wounds." Is he strings. playing like a Cala U bass with right. those black uh, rubber ever, band strings? Have you ever played tape wounds? I don't think I have, dude. Yeah, they feel amazing. Oh my They're god, they're so slippery, dude. They're Can we, like, are there these like? Do people still make these? Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy those exact strings. So Rotosound 88s are the actual. Oh, uh, those are the ones he played. The yellow, the yellow wraps at the top. A lot of people thought he played pyramid flats, but I think he did. But I think for this session specifically, he had the he had the nylons on the Hoffner. Hmm. Um, oh, super! I want to get a pair now, man. They're they're almost too. The way he has it dialed in through that amp is perfect through that bass. But I could see him getting like a little too out of control, boomy if they were uh, if you're not dialing them in right, because they are. There's zero highs coming out of those things. Yeah, so that's the tape on strings. I did not know that. And uh, Love I it. always also, thought he was a flat one guy. wanted to bring this up right now. The bassman, because we forgot to talk about his amp. He played a silver face bassman yep. with a 215 uh, cab. But he also had a bassman sticker on he his Hoffner. And how do you feel about that? I don't know how I've never noticed this. I've probably watched that rooftop performance, like just the one from Let It Be at mm-hmm. the end um, on YouTube. I've, I mean... It's it's one of my regular rotation. That version like, don't let me down, man. Yeah, that's dude. the thing. Um, but you yeah, never base, I've never noticed the sticker, dude. I've never noticed it. I guess it. I, I forget now, but that had been on there for like a, at least a year or two before that. Like it's in some other video that they made or something like that. That's I guess so people funny. have yeah. uh, talked about. Never noticed it. Oh, what else? Oh, dude, we didn't really talk about mics yet. So there's a bunch of Neumann mics. Some cool mics. You know what I? I didn't really know what these things were, so I had to look them up. The little those skinny long ones? skinny ones. What is that? What are those? Dude, those They're are like AKG. Yeah, C thirty A's. Cool. And so they would use those at that time because I guess like the little skinny boy up at the top, they sort of have separated the uh, capsule from the element, and mm-hmm. so there's something about using them in more broadcast live typey yeah. scenarios that it, there was something that they were just like cleaner and better for that type of scenario that's so crazy so that's what most of those mics are uh, akgs it is fascinating because when you're watching the film you don't really think like oh they're recording right now you know it's kind of like what you're saying before when they were just goofing around they're just hanging i thought those were just like rehearsal mics like they're like oh we'll bring out like we'll do the vocals nope, later those with, are like, the real deals the, you know Isn't that crazy and yeah so and they would have weird like foam tape and over that would just sometimes. be like the take then they would just do that through those mics and exactly it's just so interesting to me you know sticking with the gear thing for a second how they didn't really give a shit about gear it didn't seem like i mean they liked what they had yeah, exactly. but they used it as tools and everything was there they didn't it doesn't seem like they had uh four different you know les pauls to choose from or you know it was kind of like they had the range yep. of guitars but everything was pretty much the same thing they played the same thing on all the tracks you're totally right you know they, they absolutely did and uh there is one i guess i wouldn't say it's, it's an exception but there is something that happens later on that i do want to come back to okay. when we're in the, like the the episode like the different episodes because there was one big gear thing that did happened throughout that that they did kind Ooh. of in some ways sort of underplay okay uh and that we'll, we'll come back to the last thing i feel like there's two more things i want to talk about before we leave can this. i just say you're looking kind of paul mccartney-esque today i will say oh the yeah hair, the hair and the beard the hair and the beard yeah man hopefully it's not the like fat because he was like kind of fat at that point he, was, uh, he, he had a rounder pleasures. face yeah, but he's right. always had kind of a chubby face you know well dude there's a reason that fucking john was skinny yeah. Uh, that they, we, they don't talk about is because he was on the smack. Yeah, dude. Little, little teaser for the rap at the end of this episode yeah, here. For uh, sure. So well, two more things. One, the console, uh, they used an EMI Red 37, uh, two of them from Abbey Road that cool. they brought over. And then uh, Paul, they mentioned it in the thing, George's uh, 8-track tape machine they used his because they tried a bunch of different stuff. Again, we're going to talk about that later. Did, did they, they talk about, because they brought a lot of their stuff over, like boards and stuff. Was Apple a studio then, or did they just... They built it themselves. They built it out, right? It was just and a build. This is, this is what we're going to come back to, okay. is that build out of that. I've got some cool. I've got some really interesting shit. I that figured I you'd have some like B-roll on that. You oh, know? I do. Oh, nice. And then, okay, so there's that uh, wanted to mention, but also finally, 
dude. And we, you, I think we've even sort of started texting about this a little bit. I just want to say, like, I'm nervous about how ridiculous prices on all of this gear <laughs> is about to get, dude. Which mostly it is, anyways. I mean, anything that they any played. of the famous Beatles stuff, but okay, but you can like, still get a good deal silver on face fenders, silver face. Yeah, dude, dude. Those you couldn't give those away for a long time. Now they've sort of crept up to like. You can still sometimes find even like, like the drip silver, edge ones the, the like, silver face uh, drip edge the yeah. 68 because those are black face components right. still blah blah blah. I've played them all. I like them. Yeah. Even the later ones are still fine if, depending what what you're doing. Uh, but you can still usually find those for under thousand dollars. I feel like not because now it was the it was that baseman with the 215 and yep. they both played both George and John played twin, twin reverbs. reverbs yeah. So those 68s are about to go true to roof. Even though yeah. and like we've Hoffners were have already gotten ridiculously yeah. expensive. They'll, uh, they'll, be, always they'll be climbing. Base sixes are already insanely expensive. They're prohibitively expensive now, dude. They're like, stupid expensive. I want one, and there are very few times in my gear life these days where there's something that I really want that I don't find a way to get. Yeah. But to get anything near what I actually like would want to keep, you're talking like five figures. Uh, John has a real 63. Oh, really? And I actually found it for him. Uh-huh. Uh, a guy on Craigslist was selling it. He was only asking $3,500. When was that? maybe 10 years ago damn dude yeah that's, he, he that's bought nice it return. i was like you should buy this because yeah. he was he was collecting gear like crazy then so he bought it and he got it and i got to play as much as i wanted of it and it's mint almost creepy mint like yeah. it's the body has never been touched and it, almost we thought it was a refin wow. but then he brought it to heath and he's like no it's totally original fucking this is like a twenty thousand dollar guitar I mean, it's 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 as nice as a museum piece could be. It's crazy. Got to get that over to the Rock the white, and Roll Hall of Fame. White uh, white Tolex case too. Oh yeah. damn! I don't know if I've ever seen the original case. Not really, dude. Not That's really Narbars. Well, the prices are about to go up, yep. and we're about to make it worse yep. because we're, <laughs> talk we're about talking this much about more. it. Here we go. Episode one. So it's broken up three episodes. Yeah. Episode one covers days one through seven. Episode two, days eight through sixteen. Day uh, episode three, days seventeen through twenty-two. Again, with the break in the middle there uh, because of some shit that happened, mm-hmm. a.k.a. George quit in the band, yeah. and then the rooftop concert. Yeah. So we'll start episode one. Here we go. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. They set themselves up with this huge undertaking. Yep. They've got this. They're like, all right, we're going to make this fucking, we want to make a live record. We're going to write it all. We're going to do it in this TV studio. And the first thing that you notice is that they're just like, they get in there and they're like, let's just have fun and get yeah. stoned and jam. Yeah, let's they just sit like, in a circle and jam. They're playing I've Got a Feeling towards the beginning, and mm-hmm. it quickly turns into Everybody's Got a Heart On. Yep. And uh, yep. and it's just like, well, these guys are just like, they're just they're just they're just gonna party and get into the and that's you've already said that like before that they they would just like jam and fuck around they were and setting like the mood set for, the mood like, for to themselves keep it light, which i think was smart i think that way they didn't burn out right away you know it, yeah there, there's a lot there because there's this huge amount of pressure it's like by the way at the end of the month ringo has another movie he has to leave and they didn't like they couldn't is that why they had to like they had this hard deadline they had a hard deadline because yeah. ringo was gonna go make some movie right which John had already started a movie at this point too a, really like a, a war movie yeah they kind of tease him a little bit about oh it. okay I remember, uh, yeah. And then the other thing that I noticed right away is they just like as a band knew a lot of songs. Yeah. They could just like fuck around and they knew every like how because they you know when they were playing the cavern club already like you know you're saying they're they, they were, were like playing like eight hours a day yeah. they just learned all these songs so they could just like play all these little yeah. skiffle songs yeah, all like sort like of shit. Elvis Presley rock, rock and roll tunes yeah uh, that definitely stuck out to me uh, but also what stuck, sticks out right away is that they're in this very strange environment yeah so they're in Twickenham Film Studio mm-hmm. 
because they're gonna they're like, well, maybe we're just gonna film a movie here. So it's this giant like warehouse. It's like lot. a soundstage thing. Almost, soundstage, right? and they and, like they complain pretty quickly about it sounding poopy and like yeah. giant and not like a recording studio in there. They just like bring in all their own cameras and lights and and as big as the room is, they're, they're in like a tight circle. Yeah, they basically just build a little stage and they just yeah. like, hang out right around that. It's yeah. like why wouldn't you just be in the small room to begin with? Uh-huh. But there, that's part of the thing is like we we don't know what this is gonna be. It's gonna be a TV special. Maybe we'll just have everyone come here and watch us throughout the whole movie the director's like let's go to this fucking weird abandoned place in libya like they're just like trying yeah. to get them to go make this concert like yeah they don't even know film to like go. before the rooftop thing what it's even gonna be that's super last minute that, yeah, all, that all happens so one of the things that there i we're gonna jump back and forth but one of the, like there was this little moment that jump that happens in the beginning that i don't know if you noticed it that i want to mention they're like hanging out and john's playing like he clearly had just like restrung a guitar so okay. he had like a bouncy guitar string and he took his cigarette and like he stick he stuck it on the there. cigarette on the end of the string. How cool was that? And it, it bounced around on there. Yeah. I've never seen that. And it was like the coolest fucking thing I've yeah, ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Which leads me to my next point in okay. that I have I quit smoking cigarettes a long time ago, but this movie made you really <laughs> made me want to smoke a lot of cigarettes. I wanted dude. to drink uh, white wine and smoke cigarettes for sure. White wine and cigarettes, yeah, baby. Man. That's a fucking that's my perfume. Yeah. And were they were they Dunhills that they were smoking? They were all these. Like, yeah, it was always know. in these like fancy box. Maybe one of our British listeners let us. I know. saw one uh, scene where Paul's. It almost looks like a smaller cigar, like a backwoods or something like. Oh, that, that was a blunt. Oh, okay. That, yeah, like, he was definitely go. smoking. I noticed that too. Yeah. He was definitely smoking some nice. reefer, getting okay. fucking stoned. Because they didn't really show him getting stoned at all in the movie. No, they didn't. They they did kind of gloss over that. I was but like, it was maybe they smoked pretty outside. obvious. Oh, that they that's were what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, early on, dude. They're so they're like playing. There are some of their songs that they've written. Uh. All, all things must pass happens right away it's like which is you know one of my favorite songs of all time and it's like oh he had that already back then yep. and john's like oh is that a harris song yeah harris song i, I fucking it. cracked yeah. up dude the fucking john harris or john, george harrison john lennon pun oh yeah. my god uh but that this is when things start to really pick up because for two things happen i noticed paul getting kind of like Paul doesn't seem like he wants to be the boss like he's getting kind of annoyed already it's like why am i why do i have he's to, like, driving the, the bus show? for sure and then the first blow your dick off moment happens. Yeah. When Get Back just as a song just forms yeah. out of nowhere, dude. Watching that footage was one of the I got like I'm getting like chills talking. I, my about guts drop. Because like it's one thing to hear those songs that we've heard so many times, but to hear them hear it for the first time before to it's even a song. It. Yeah. It just blew my fucking mind. He's just like strumming on the beat. He does a lot of bass strumming, I've noticed, mm-hmm. which made me want that Hoffner even more. He, <laughs> he like accompanies himself on he, bass a lot. He has like chords. that wrist. Like it's almost, it's very much like a guitar. Percussive kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just like. And then all of a sudden like George and, and uh, Ringo are just kind of watching him. It's before John's there in the morning one yep. day. And then he's just, he's just like. Yeah. Like he's kind of dancing he's around. Getting it, the melody getting, around and it. it's like And then it's like, oh, that feels weird when he doesn't get it right. And then it's just like happens insane and that but then it wasn't there and that's one of the things main things i noticed in this movie it's there was a a nugget that he developed and he put the time in but the real song took weeks of them drilling and playing those songs hundreds of times what's funny too and that i mean you know compared to other songs that they've written that's a simpler song i mean it's like one chord you know and they kept and and they started getting you know fatter and fatter and that yeah. and like you see paul kind of trying to rein everyone in like play super simple chords and yep. only do the stabs and sort of stuff and that was like kind of one of the things that led to a little tension one of the only real tension moments that you get is with him and george talking about i think it might even even be that song just like getting him to stop like playing too much play yeah a lot less yeah yeah there was that and then i mm, there was a part of uh 
where uh, he's telling John um, to play, I think it's O'Darlin, mm-hmm. to play like the bass part, and like he's like back way off. Oh of it. yeah, Ex- yeah. And I he's kind of like looking at him, like, dude, I, dancing around. I know what yeah. I'm doing. He's like, you know, you're playing too many notes. You know? And he he was right, but yeah. it's, you can see like those real band moments. Yeah. That that does a lot to humanize those Beatles. Also, dude, they this, it kind of starts. You start to notice, and I don't know if you picked up on this as much, maybe for you, but I felt like they were really funny. Yeah, like they were just like kind of like they're clever, cut like, up, clever dudes. Especially yeah. John, I think in a lot of ways he was probably the funniest. Like, oh, I don't remember. Oh, they're playing. Uh, didn't anybody tell her they're just like working on it? And mm-hmm. for some reason, John yells, "Get a job, get a job, cop!" Like during <laughs> it, like during a take. And I fucking lol. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah, the the banter in the film. I mean, it's you know, I mean, we can do more generalization of like what I thought about the entire film. Let's like, save that. We'll yeah. save it. But um, yeah, that that kind of stuff is like if you haven't seen it, that's that's the whole film is like them just them bantering. dicking around. Yeah. And, and and this is, I guess, one of the things. Yeah, totally overall vibe. But like. There is a lot of that, so that might not be for you. Maybe yeah. it is, maybe it isn't. We'll get back to that. Uh-huh. There's a couple other things that happened in this episode. Uh, so obviously we we already mentioned that like there's tension with George. George fucking quits the band like in the first episode. Yes, <laughs> dude. It's like I and, and I don't I, know if I ever knew that. I knew that he had walked out, and I'd heard the story that they'd gotten into a fight, which yeah. turns out to like uh, him and John got into a fist fight, but that turns out to have been totally uh, fabricated. Uh, no, that never happened. But um, I didn't really exactly realize like the extent to which this happened, and so they're they're supposed like they're by the end of the month they're they've got like made these commitments that they've got to like do this stuff, and then yeah. it's like oh by the way your guitar player just left, and and John like pretty quickly says like uh, oh maybe we'll see if Clapton's available, yeah right because uh, he was always hanging hanging around, you know? he was hanging around, and yeah. so th- this is okay this is the end of this episode so. George leaves. They they like get drunk in the studio. <clears throat> Yoko's jam with them. This is one of the only moments that you get like full on Yoko whales uh, throughout the whole documentary. And then uh, and then, yeah, so he's replacing with Captain Clapton. So in part of oh in that interview that I read with the director, he was talking about Clapton a little bit, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, he thinks him and Lennon were dope friends at that point. Yeah, and that that makes um, sense. Actually, I saved a quote here. He said, uh, quote, here was, here was a very interesting character who was around with the Rolling Stones and with John called Spanish Tony. I was like, oh, that's a great nickname. Tony was a handsome guy who was Keith's connection. Mm-hmm. It's amazing Keith is still alive, he said. But so this guy, there was this guy, you don't see him in the documentary, but this guy hanging around those sessions called Spanish Tony sold to Clapton the drug and Lennon and, uh, and Keith, I and guess. I believe it was Keith quoted in his book, um, Life, mm-hmm. uh, that John Lennon couldn't handle his shit, he was saying. Like, so yeah. they didn't like getting high with him because he would always get sick. No and, way, yeah, really. He would he would get really sick and like be all like all fucked up and Damn, he I didn't like, know hey, that. John couldn't handle this. Couldn't handle this shit. That's my best. Well, uh, Richard's good, Keith. Um, I will say this: uh, for the first episode, yeah. I and and I and I tried to watch it as like, look, I'm the biggest Paul McCartney fan. Like, mm-hmm. I fucking he. If if anything further solidified, he is my absolute favorite musician of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie did, but it didn't paint John in a very good light for the first episode. I felt like you know because yeah, he comes he comes in with Yoko. They're in there kind of like the band's there and they're like trying to work on stuff and she's not she's not doing anything wrong, but she's just sitting in their circle. And for me, like I love my wife, but she's not allowed in like the sacred band circle. Dude, here it is. Let's do it. Yeah. Tran- perfect transition. Episode two. Great. There's this cliffhanger at the end of episode one. John- George fucking leaves. They're like, OK, what are we, what, we going to still even the Beatles anymore? Right. Episode two starts and there's this conversation that gets captured between Paul and John by a hidden 
microphone yeah. in a flower pot, yeah. which they explain and whatever. And and it's through this conversation and 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 really the whole ep- episode leading up to that that I want to get into this Yoko thing because sure. d- this is such this is like the most one of the most common mythologies I think in like rock and roll is this idea that Yoko, Yoko broke. broke up the Beatles right and I think and I've never seen it but it seems like from everything I've read it seems like a lot of people think that the movie Let It Be instilled that idea into people when I, I didn't feel like throughout watching this that they like their yoko like she never spoke no like she she was john's shadow yeah right so like i i'm just gonna f- f- flatly say i don't think yoko specifically yoko had anything to do with the beatles breaking up um i think that she was a symptom of the issues that were going on already sure but i don't like she, Yoko Ono in this like sort of misogynistic way has been like oh she's the reason for the Beatles broke up and and when you watch it like that's to uh, me not at all what happened I I agree a little bit I think I think it's uh it's not her fault I mean she went there because she was in love with John and wanted to be the story I told about the sex tape all. thing the yeah. director said that he saw that John doing was like a flex like yeah this is my priority now right. like I have chosen her yeah by the way and here's another thing that like we'll talk about a little bit later that they gloss over like John was married and like not even like fully right. divorced yoko was like going through her divorce at the time so like yeah. they don't talk about the fact that he's like essentially like he's left his wife right cynthia they until they like forever. announce it in those newspapers and stuff that like he's with her and says exactly. like john loves yoko and exactly all that, all that um, kind of but shit. yeah as far as her breaking up the band i don't think so but it just to me it was like i mean you know i'm watching it with my wife and she's like i would never even want to be at those sessions like she right. was like i would want you guys to be like working on your shit mm-hmm. and i'll hang out after or at the end or something but like the sacredness of writing songs with the four, you know, the three other best musicians in the world at the time yeah. is to me, it's such a sacred thing. So, you know, with it's more of John bringing her there and like letting it be okay that she's there. You can tell it's annoying Paul. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and George looks at, I don't, I don't really anno- felt like I, you I saw that dude here. Here's Maybe it was thing. just my, like I was, you know, I feel like we project that on yeah, it a little bit because sure. that's what we're looking for. Let's not forget the reason we're seeing that is because there's a whole crew film crew oh yeah like multiple people that aren't typically there are also there there was a lot of times linda was there no you're right and And his kid kid or whatever no patty harrison shows up a bit at Um, some point and you know again all the that's the one thing i did notice that was really interesting and just as a whole is there's so many people always in the room with yeah there's net there's very rarely a scene where it's just the four of them and that's why that hidden camera or the hidden microphone conversation is so important and that wasn't at all used before Mm -hmm. Because they didn't have the technology to basically get the audio right, but like Paul t- tells him, like John, he's like John, you've always been the leader of the Beatles, like you still are, but it's like he like he doesn't want to be. Paul doesn't want to be the one that's like basically writing all the songs right now and Did, stuff. That's interesting. Did you feel like and I, and this makes me go back to just like my knowledge of them as a band when they first started. I know yeah. you know Paul has his songs where he sings lead, but everybody kind of looked at it, you know, in the mid '60s as like it was John Lennon. You know, it was kind of he was right. the front man. And then for this film and this album, you know, you really see Paul like take over as like this songwriter and kind of like also the guy like wrangling them together, mm-hmm. you know, like he's, you know, he's probably like stoned, but he's not like high on heroin and shit. No. And he's not getting fucked up. He's there to work, you know? So it was, it was an interesting thing to me for him to take those reins. But also, like you said, I don't think he really did want to be in that position. You know? No. And, and it seems like going back, it kind of looks like Paul started taking those reins in first with Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. Like that was the first record where he was like, I've got this huge concept. I'm going to do it. Like yeah. fucking buy in. Let's do this thing. Yeah, here we go. Oh, John wrote some songs, but it, I re- it seems like when you look back that that's where it started. And then by, cause I mean, we remember there was like 10 records that came out in like six years, I think from 1964 to 1970, like they made a lot. They weren't 
touring, you know, as starting right. back in, you know, whenever that 1966, which I actually have the date written down later on August 29th, 1966. That was a previous last live show. But anyways, they were like, they were living their lives in these studios. Yep. Paul had kind of taken over. And, and uh, to go with that really quick, something we didn't mention yeah. is the Brian Epstein thing. I mean, they didn't, Brian Epstein had just they didn't have a manager. Right. So like they didn't have like a head because he was like an incredible manager to them. And I think they he, all called him Mr. Epstein. Even yeah. Was, like, it was just, just a little bit. Older than <laughs> right. That. Right. But it was uh, really sad because they didn't have like you could tell they're kind of floating down this down the river without a paddle mm-hmm. in a lot of scenes like, yep. you know, and, and someone had to take over. So, you know, Paul's like, well, I guess I'm just going to like Paul was a de facto sort sure. of manager to you. Right. right. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, and they, but they were also just sort of like, yeah, it was kind of, it's, it'll come together. Like we're, you know, we're yeah. halfway through at this point. Like, oh, we don't really have that many songs, I guess, but like we're the Beatles. It's going to work. <laughs> uh, dude, a couple of things that I noticed, uh, first Ringo going up to that guy, Mal, wasn't he Mal Evans? I yeah. think he was their road manager. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, do you have any pet pills? Like yeah. he definitely wanted some drugs from him yep, and got yep. them. Uh, also I wanted to know if this triggered you at all that this was a thing that I've never seen Okay, that taped onto his Hoffner. He had a set list, dude. Yeah, I've seen like it on that horn right there. It's a all I could really make out was that it said "Tripper" and uh, what mm-hmm. one of the songs, but he had it taped onto like that upper little. I've seen that the, photo. The, yeah, do, do I, does that I, does that make you feel? Oh cr- no, cringy I, sticker vibes. Well, I think what that was from was like a, an earlier concert, and he just left it on. there. He just left it on there. Yeah. It was an old set list. Yeah, because um, Russ was actually telling me about. it. He said his dad went to see one of their last 1966 performances, and uh, that's amazing. And, and I think he could kind of see it when he would like turn the bass and stuff and yeah. look at it and stuff. So that's fucking. I think incredible. he just left it on there because it was just a cool like keepsake. I think from their last like big performance, you know, or something. from Candlestick. It could have been that. Yeah. John uh, also at one point they're like talking about because you know they're making this. We're again we're watching a documentary of a documentary. Yeah. Right. And they're like talking about this documentary happening and at that time and he's like John's like documentary grinding to a halt. It's just taking off. Like, <laughs> and this is while George like has has just left the band and everything. Yeah. So while this is happening. This is something I wanted to get back to when we're finally circling back. So there's this guy, Mad Alex, Alex, Magic Alex, Alexis Mardos was their like tech guy mm-hmm. that he was always building crazy stuff. Dude, did you see, I know you said you kind of came in and out at one point, but did you see that there was like this crazy rotating bass instrument? No, got them to t- I must have missed that. Okay, dude, there's, there's a crazy thing. And I was hoping you had caught that. Shit. It's like there's this like weird, what like he it? built this like multi-neck. Oh, base I saw thing. it on the. He was sitting on the floor, like tinkering with it. Yeah, I do. I the do red, recall it's like red that. and blue and yellow, yeah. and like what the fucking. All but it had like this. tuner knobs, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" So thing? this that guy, that's Magic Alex, and he was the, the idea was that the Beatles were moving out of Abbey Road. They're building Apple Studio. He, this guy was going to build like the desk and the equipment in there. Right. So this is where we start to get some information that wasn't in the documentary, but stuff that I have researched and found okay. out. So uh, uh, this was again, while George, like in the heart of while George has like left the band, uh, they get together at their new studio in the basement of Apple headquarters on Seville row in London. There's no film crew present for this, which is why we don't see it. Uh, this was ostensibly to test out the recording equipment that this guy fucking Magic Alex had built, right? right? The day, however, not a success. Mm. The mixing console was made of a bit of wood and an old oscilloscope. Okay. Uh, it was, this is, uh, and, and this is all coming from people that were there. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw some quotes in here and there. But uh, it uh, they actually... Uh, the, the, it looked like the control panel of a B-52 bomber. <laughs> they actually tried a session on this desk, and they did a take, but when they played the tape back, it was literally just hum and hiss oh, that came back. Yeah. So the Beatles walked out. That was it. Yeah. Martis, this guy, defended saying that the equipment was still in the prototype phase. 
you know, just not ready, needed some time. I guess that like the metal was an eighth, was an eighth of an inch out around the knobs and switches. Like it was all hacked together. Uh, this is coming from Alan Parsons now. Yeah. Uh, it had obviously been done with a hammer and chisel instead of being properly designed oh and machined. My God. It did pass signals, but Glenn John said, I can't do anything with this. I can't make a record with this board. Wow. So they're, they're unable to use it. Beatles are like, okay, we're going to borrow from the Road. shit from EMI. Yeah. Uh, they lent them two four-track consoles. These are, these are the, uh, the ones that we talked about, the Red 37s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they along, along with George's eight track tape machine uh this was brought over on the 21st of january which again like you're showing the calendar in the mm-hmm. documentary uh this is jeff emmerich talking he said uh <laughs> the mixing console was sold as scrap to a secondhand electronic shop in the edgeware road for five pounds it wasn't worth any oh my god this is this is what like, a they, waste like lost over this wow. um but so this is this is interesting though technical problems aside this was the beatles first day performing as a quartet again together since george had walked out 10 days like it was 10 days when he had left yeah. the band Wow. They performed a number of songs, although the tapes are yet to surface publicly. Really? The only known clue is from that 21st of January when uh, Harrison plays a guitar riff and Lennon, this is like on the tape recordings, uh, plays a guitar riff to Lennon and says, remember that thing we did? And Lennon replies by asking, yesterday. Yeah. So there, there's clearly a reference to the day before them jamming. Right, but, right. Um, yep. Didn't there's no right we, we haven't actually found it yet. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's why they wound up using the Abbey Road boards, and they kind of that's a gear budsy little addition yeah. to the ready too long. That's movie. a little secret. A uh, little secret. This type. episode, by the way, first time we see George bust out the Rosewood Telly, he didn't. He wasn't yeah. playing that right away. So I was finally like Rosewood Telly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that finally comes out, and then there's a, there's one little moment that I want to finally mention in this episode before we get to episode tree. Uh, George is uh, they're talking. Paul's playing bass, and they're like talking about bass. And uh, George goes, oh, why don't you use the Rickenbacker? And he's like, I like this one. It's lighter. <laughs> that's pretty good. I can't really do. That's, that's just like my. That's just like all of. I, that's just like my Beatles impression. I don't have like a specific one. It's just like all guy. their voices together. All their voices one. together, it which is. is probably mostly Ringo. Episode two in the books. Yeah, let's get to episode three. Let's do it. The rooftop concert that came after days seventeen through twenty-two. So here's a little here's a little information I didn't know until this movie. Uh, the rooftop concert originally was 42 minutes long. They played up on that rooftop. They did five songs nine times. Yeah, I was gonna say they did multiple takes, which you don't see if you go to YouTube and watch it, or at the end of Let It Be yeah. when they no, perform. They don't have most. They just of that. bang through the songs. Yeah, and uh, it was their first live show since Candlestick Park, August 29th, 1966. So that's a little bit of time right there. Here is the first thing that I noticed when okay. I when I got to this episode. They are cutting it real close to the end. Yeah, and they're still just fucking jamming and messing yep. around, dude. Well, that's like, when they were doing the singing through their teeth thing. That was everything. the yeah, two of us right. grit through gritted teeth, dude. And that this is also when the Rocky Strat finally comes yep. out. We see that happen in episode three, dude. They didn't even know what songs or how many songs they were going to perform. They were arguing about wanting to perform like sixteen songs. Well, exactly. Paul wanted them to. They, want, they said fourteen, and then they're like, "Well, shit, we might First only they have said five. Se- then they're they like said seven. Six. Yeah, then seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, then they're going through that, and then they realize at a certain moment. That they're like, oh my god, wait, we have like, we definitely have enough songs to make a full record, and then like, and then some, including stuff that then later they wound up using in Abbey yeah. Road. Uh, but that was a crazy moment. And then they do, they actually, they actually do a jam session where they're just like dicking around, and it's John singing and just like reading the working titles of all the songs right. from the record, which yeah. I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that's great. 
also there's a couple more moments where like yoko does wailing and i gotta say it i don't like it but it always makes me laugh like, i laugh just like ah! I, just like screaming wailing. It, it, it hurts my ears when i hear it man i mean and i'm that's not like uh because i hate yoko it's no. just really it's a it's a pitch it's a sound that no one's ever really made up before, so I'll give her credit for that. She's done her own thing, and did you see when Paul's kid, Linda's kid, yeah, exactly, and <laughs> yeah. she does, and it sounds, he's like, oh, and John's like, oh, it sounds like Yoko. Yeah, they all kind of look at each other. Oh, that my was God, really dude. good, dude. Oh, dude, this is something we haven't really talked about that much, but I guess we sort of touched on it, but it didn't happen until now, and that's when Billy Preston shows up. Yes. So Billy Preston, amazing keyboard player. We've talked about. Is he American? Show. He's an American. Yeah, he I was in, so. They they first met when he was playing in Ray Charles band they gotcha and and the beatles had sort of all been talking already about how like oh we like we should have a keyboard player yeah like we need that to do this live thing this extra level yeah and then it just so happens that billy preston is in the uk to film some tv shows stops by in the studio they're like hey billy uh basically like do you want to be in the fucking band he's like yeah do i want to be in the beatles obviously are you kidding me yeah and then his sound of the roads in so many ways like it's constant and permeates the whole record in in such a yeah. beautiful, incredible way that could the without it would be just it, it wouldn't it wouldn't exi- it would it wouldn't be get back or let it be or whatever yeah. anymore. It would be it would be just something different. He, Billy Preston had a massive impact on the sound of that huge, record. and and you know it, even even for the band, I think like I had the same feeling as in some kind of monster when they hire Rob Trujillo. Dude, I can't believe you just brought up some kind of monster. Why? I, was, I was definitely planning on that. Were you really? In the, in the wrap up at the end. Oh, okay. That's well, perfect. But I dude. will say it, it reminded me of that because it, you're like, oh, this was kind of a missing piece of the puzzle when he came and, and started. They all got so much happier. Yeah. Noticeably. Like the moods all instantly picked yep. up and they all kind of played better because yeah. it's like, oh, we've got to like, gotta like sh- get our shit together. Yeah. But can you imagine being him in that situation? Oh, my God. And then like, but also they like, not even just like the fact that it's the Beatles, which is crazy, but then it's like, they've just been like writing these brand new songs that yeah. he's never heard before no. and he's got to come in and then instantly starts playing like dope definitive parts. Yeah. yeah uh, that like, like made Colin it to the record. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what huge, an incredible player! Huge impact, and he even played a little bass six at one point. I he, saw. Oh, they should they sure did it, show so. that. Talented guys, man. Even if all of them, just even when Ringo's doing um, Octopus's Garden, that was cool as hell. And like you're just like, oh, everybody can play everything. Like this He's is like, great. oh, I, I learned a minor. And yeah, he like starts playing it, dude. That was and him and George actually worked that yeah. out. That was really cool. Yeah, and you can kind of hear you see George Martin kind of like that might be kind of cool. That and they're like cool figuring song. it out. Which I, I've never been a huge fan of that song, but to see it being written, I was like, oh, this is. Oh, great. I like it more now. Yeah, I just me too. Said, I I guess I always I knew that Ringo wrote songs, but in my mind <laughs> I just assumed I was like, oh, Paul is like wrote this goofy little thing. He's yeah. like, this would be funnier in Ringo's frog voice or whatever, you right. know. But it turns out, yeah, Ringo just like did show up and plunk that out yeah, on the piano. His idea, uh, dude. Also, a couple things before they get to the rooftop concert. Mm-hmm. One of the most important things in my so. I'll just say it now. Abbey Road is maybe my favorite Beatles record. Okay. Let It Be has never been my favorite. I do like the Let It Be naked version because the, the Phil Spector mix, I, I I don't like it. Fair. But one of my perhaps most influential Beatles things happened during this, and it's not even the record because this you see the moment and they talk about it when George decides to make his own solo record. Mm-hmm. They're just like hanging out and, and then George is like, you know what, man, I've got all these songs. I kind of yeah. want to just like see what happens if I, if I make them all. Yeah. And like, cause they'd already played all things was past. And that was even like in contention for being on this record. Right. You know, they were talking about all this. So that was a huge moment for well, me. It, to it like was see interesting. Them, um, him decide I'm going to make this record. That is now one of me personally. Well, that's kind of the, the interesting thing. Cause they're already, 
already all songwriters. So mm-hmm. then it's like, how do they decide if they want it to be a Beatles song or if they want it to be a solo artist song? Yeah. You know, so that's I th- I do feel like that's one of the themes in this movie is like this this crumbling of John and of John and Paul being like the writer thing mm-hmm. happening, and then like George sort of Stepping showing up, up as a as a writer and showing that he has it too and doing yeah. really cool stuff. That I think you see, and but also George feeling the pressure. I think that's why he left, right? Like, yeah, I, I think that's why he wound up bailing. Yeah, the like sort of shitty poopy sounding studio that they were in wasn't helping yeah. like the pressure of the film of cameras and the, the timeline I mean. the, t- the ridiculous timeline they posed on yeah. uh, imposed on themselves for sure absolutely all right so here we go it's time they pushed it back a couple of days yeah. here and here for and weather and finally for weather and then finally it's like all right we're doing this rooftop concert yeah. first hilarious thing that i've got to mention that okay. i didn't notice or ever before i don't know if it was ever in any of the footage that's come out uh, when they're playing I Dig a Pony and John has his own personal uh, little redheaded mic stand boy. Oh, yeah. They, like, instead of like, because he must not have known the lyrics to the song, and he actually fucks up in one yeah. of the takes. No, he's he got, says, he says, I got to go get the lyrics. If we're gonna he's play got this a one. dude, he's seen him around. He's like a studio assistant throughout the movie, just like kneeling down, yeah. holding a clipboard with the lyrics That's of that so, song. Well, yeah, because I was like, smoking a cigarette in one of his hands. Well, right, too, I was like, where's he going to pin the lyrics? Like, he didn't have a clipboard. It's just anything. a little redheaded just guy holding it. Boy. That's awesome. Doing the, doing the mic stand boy thing. Uh, then okay, so like they they knew that they were gonna get some attention from this, right? Like yeah. They're playing. They're in Savile Row. It's like a, it's a it's a populated area. This is gonna be loud. Mm-hmm. Cops show up. Obviously, right. the cops are gonna show up. But they had prepared for this because they had cameras set up. Like te- they had ten cameras. Set they up. knew like cops were gonna come. It was yeah. five cameras on the rooftop. Right. One across the street. A, which became a problem. The guy came over and complained later because they didn't ask anybody. They just right. shoved him over there. There was a couple on the street, and then they had one hidden camera in the lobby. In the lobby, yeah. And that was super fun to watch. Yeah. That might be my favorite part of this whole rooftop thing. Yeah, and how polite are those police officers? Like They're so like, frustrated like, and so he's polite. He's like, I'm not threatening you, but I'm going to have to arrest you. And, and they just fucking keep going. They yeah. basically tell these cops to buzz off. Dude. Well, and, and then, yeah. Like, like, oh, the, yeah, um, I don't know. Someone, and these are all like kids. Like, they're wearing suits and stuff. Oh, so yeah. kind of looking at the people working there in their mid-20s. You know, totally. they're like, oh, yeah, cops. Like, we definitely like we're just waiting on someone to show up. Then they'll be the person for you to talk. And then to. we're like, oh, we'll uh, we'll just turn off the PA. And then they just don't do they it. They don't do it at all. <laughs> they just great. keep on going. They're like, well, we're making this like film. So we mm-hmm. got to keep going. And then like it's this mixture. Like everyone on the street seems to really enjoy it. Like they're out there most interviewing people. them. And yeah, almost most of them. And they're like, oh, and they seem to all know it's the Beatles. But like yeah. all, they're all kind of like playing it cool, too. It doesn't yeah. seem like people are like screaming and freaking out about it. In the Let It Be film. um, they at the end when they perform, they do show a couple like little interviews with some of the people. They okay. had a lot more footage in yeah. this, and this because I I don't know I loved it. It made me smile when they were asking people, "Hey, do you know who this is?" Because they couldn't for people who don't know, you couldn't see them from right. the street. You could They're just like hear five them. stories up. Or yeah, whatever. you could just hear them unless you were on another rooftop. You could see them, which but, there were a lot of yeah. people, and that was so cool. To that was see. cool. Just, like, everyone up there in their suits and dresses, yeah, and whatever, just like the in the Beatles middle of a work day. It was pretty, pretty chilly. I yeah. think they even. So like when they finish, but not to jump too far ahead, that like John even says like, oh my hands, like I can't feel my hand can't anymore. Play like anymore. Cool. Right. I can't play chords anymore. Right, right. Uh, one of my, another amazing moment, dude. When so uh, like the cops eventually make their way up onto the rooftop. You know, there's like the two right. main guys, and then like their boss, and then their boss. Like it's four of them are up there eventually. Yeah. And at some point, like the Beatles are their back is to all this happening, and then they're like playing one of their songs. I don't remember what it was. Might be get back. And Paul like sort of n- like turns around and notices the cops and you see him get this big grin on his face. And he like does this goofy little dance. Yeah. Starts playing a little Starts harder. Starts playing harder. Yeah. And fucking singing goofier yeah. and sort of stuff too. Like he was, he got this like 
boyish delight from the fact that because they knew that again like they knew this was going to cause a ruckus and like right. probably get police is he's like oh Maybe finally get it's arrested, like, yeah. we got some good footage out of this like yeah the cops fucking showed up we've got a little drama for the documentary exactly yeah we've got our story we've got our we've got our uh we've got our payoff at the end you know what i love is um how much harder they played live on the roof than they rehearsed down in the studio they did yeah and like, they're all standing just really put like i mean paul's like even they're playing a little faster mm-hmm. paul's really jamming on the fucking bass like it's cool like they're you could tell the energy shot right up and you're like oh they're a fucking live band this yeah. is what they should be doing and know? that happens that reminds me it happens a few times throughout the documentary including during this where mm-hmm. a little overlay comes across the screen and it says like this is the take that they yeah. used on let it be and i didn't fucking know that no me neither i didn't know they had stuff from the roof that they actually a, ended a handful up on the of those songs yeah. are the ones that are just like on like that at record. least two or three of the ones from the roof that were uh on the record and during those one one of the last things that i didn't know about is that like they had technical difficulties. George's amp blows up basically during one of the songs and they're like, and that's what, that's one of the sort of humanizing things about you. You see them dealing with real band experiences. Like we've all had amps go out on us and it fucking sucks. Probably takes them back to when they were like teenagers, you know? Exactly. But they're here. They are like on doing this crazy thing with the cops there and film crews. And this is a culmination of a movie that they're making. And then like, Oh, my amp broke. Yep. And it happens to all of us. So here's the, so that's kind of the movie kind of ends, but they like, they come back down into the studio. They listen back to the tapes, whatever. That's all like good vibes. They kind of wrap it up a little bit Mm -hmm. there. Uh, what, what doesn't really get wrapped up is that, so they then went back in, I guess it sort of does, but they then went back into the studio after that. Like they, mm-hmm. cause they, they did, you know, what I said, f- what did I say? Five songs, nine times. Yeah. So then they still had the rest of that record to record. Right. So they did all the piano songs, all the, all the rest of the shit, like within the next couple of days. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I don't know how many days it might've just been a couple of days after that, but basically sort of similar, no overdubs, like live type of situation. Uh, and that was it, man. That was the end of that fucking record. Now, yeah. before we get into our, our final evaluation, here is a thing that I didn't definitely did not know. Okay, three weeks later, they went back into the studio and recorded Abbey Road. That's yeah. I I remember hearing that it was kind of all done around the same time, but I didn't know what right the timeline was. Uh, and and they begged basically begged, the stories. They basically begged George Martin to produce this one because they like didn't want to do it. The, the way that they did it with Glenn Johns right. basically live. And George said, I'll do it. But the only way that I'll do it is if you go back to the way that we used to record, AKA like overdubbing and properly sort of not like, a live, not live record right. sort of situation, which is what Abby wrote. Did, obviously has a lot of that. And out. I don't know, this might be for the, the symphony next week, but did, didn't they, didn't they have some songs that they recorded that they put on the later album? Like they, they kind of had a mix and match, right? I don't know if they used any of those sessions. That's a okay. good. That's a good question. Yeah. But they definitely used songs. Like I mean, they jammed the whole fucking medley in this documentary. You right. know that winds up on Abbey Road later. Like they, there's a bunch of songs that they were like they had touched on. During she's so this. heavy and uh, I'm well, trying to she's so heavy what... was from before. That was from White Album, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, but right, they still yeah. didn't have the words for it yet. That's what I was. I was so well. They would. That was dude. They would do that a lot. They would like, jam on their own songs and then change the words yeah. and fuck them up, which I thought was really funny because uh-huh. pretty much every band I've ever been in has done that to some oh, extent. Dude. Like when I see John do, like, forget reggae, the lyrics, reggae versions of your own yeah. songs and stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't feel so bad now. All right, dude. Let's get into final reactions yeah. here. Uh, final final takes. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I loved it. Me too. I thought it was way too long <laughs> because it sort of has to be. Yeah. For you and me to get the sort of enjoyment that we want out of it. Like, did I need every single little like technical thing? Probably not. Could have gotten away with six hours instead of eight, maybe, but sure. Uh, or seven, but I'm happy to have seen all of it as a, as a fan and yeah. someone that's like 
wondered about this this scenario but also never really knew like i didn't i didn't understand any of the sort of context around it before watching this movie yeah i learned a lot and so it's for people like you and me indeed it changes my general feeling about the beatles but like really the end of the beatles i would say mm-hmm. and it's for the reasons that we talked about like with yoko and yeah and then the stuff with John, I mean, it turns out that John was definitely like a smackhead during this time. Yeah. And, that, and then, and so that's, if I'm, if we're going to continue again, I love this documentary. If there were some of my criticisms, uh, criticisms of it, the first one of the first ones would be that they didn't, they didn't touch on that really at all Mm-mm. with John. And it's like pretty well documented. He did an interview during that time on television with Yoko and he like kind of like nods out. And, right. Um, yeah. He and like his face, his fa- features were all sunken they, and stuff. He didn't, he didn't look super high, but you could, you knew what was going on at the time. Yeah. But he wasn't like Keith Richards nodding out in 1972 when they were touring the U.S. and he like barely could even like get up on exactly. stage. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't touring. He, he, right. he couldn't have. Right. It seems like. Yeah. Um, it also, I would say, again, like we talked about a little bit. I didn't know that this was a live record, man. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know that at all. I had no and idea. now, but then when you listen to it, you're like, oh damn, like it was. And they that makes it even more impressive. It. I feel a hundred percent does. Yeah. Because they started with nothing. Yeah. Some of them would come in like, oh, I was working on this last night or there's some older, a couple of the songs like me and my 909, like that was an old song that they real that they talked about, like that had come from before and sure. stuff. And like there was even a whole section where they just like kind of jammed on some of their old Cavern Club oh, songs yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Um, but it really provided a lot of context for me for the end of the Beatles because it's confu- it can be confusing. This was like, you know, they recorded Abbey Road after this record, but this record came out after Abbey Road. So it's, and then there was that movie that people like have their opinions about and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so there's that, but it also in, in so many ways humanizes them as a band, I think. Like even though they know that the cameras are there, there are definitely moments of them being real humans and not like mythological creatures mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that I think we've kind of put them on Absolutely. as a, on a pedestal as. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh dude, I don't know how you felt about this, but they were fucking young. Like 27 I think Paul was. I think Paul he was born in 1942. Tw- they were like 28 and then yeah. John, maybe I think it was, I, I believe it was John and Ringo were the oldest, then Paul, right. then George was like the youngest. Like he yeah. was like 26 or something like that. It is funny to seem like that because you're like, I don't know, they just seem like such pros. And it's, they're the definitive, I think of how dumb I was like, at pop that age. band. Yeah. yeah. And then here they are, you know, again, like making all these huge decisions and starting studios and like the world is their oyster and everyone just cares so much. And they are really just like in their mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really, really shocking for me. Here we go. We talked about it already. Some kind of monster, man. Yeah. Like I couldn't help but feel like some and comparisons maybe there. there's some people upset about this hot take, but there are some comparisons to be had there. Sure. Absolutely. You might want to call it some kind of scouser. That's specifically a joke <laughs> for our British friends, but they just like, they, they definitely had their they need they maybe they could have used a twinkle edits a twinkle edits you know yeah uh, they could have well, used the, yeah. a, a psychiatrist or psychologist like eventually this is kind of one of the last things that happens is alan klein starts to show up right who's a who's I a was famous infamous character because they kind of did a little featured part in the third episode about him mm-hmm. and like john talking about how he met him and he's this like terrific and like and crazy important individual yeah i i've heard the name but i didn't know who that really was so alan klein was the stones manager and they hated uh. him because like he was sort of this he was also half owner of mgm he was this big powerful guy but like a known swindler type yeah and and is also 
it turns out most people in the know kind of view his involvement way more than Yoko's as to what led to the ah. Beatles breaking up. Yeah, it was John was a smackhead for sure, right. but it was this guy's involvement, getting his fingers involved in, in everything. Interesting. Really a super insider industry guy who had power, but also like put himself number one and fucked a lot of people over. And like the Beatles had a horrible relationship I think later they, on. They mentioned even knowing that he was like a swindler and being like, well, at least he's on our side or something exactly, like dude, that. Yeah, that's one exactly yeah. the thing. And then it turns out he did kind of like fuck them in the end. <laughs> um, so that's that was pretty that was you nailed it that was kind of like the, one of the last things I feel like they kind of should have addressed in a different way or could have addressed in a different yeah. way again this is a long ass movie that we're talking about sure like a long ass podcast and I'm about it. I'm going to watch it again like well that that's a this is exactly where I want to end <laughs> because do you think there's going to be an eventual expanded Blu-ray edition and would you watch it because I mean Peter Jackson has released like fifty fucking hour versions of the Lord of the Rings movies yeah. like w- do you think we're going to get to see the eighteen hour cut. I'm going to watch it. I don't know if everybody will. Yeah. Um, you know, my, well, I mean, if you just want to get into like what I thought of it or something. Let's finish but, it up. What's our uh, opinions? T- give me your final thoughts. Well, my final thought is it's not for everybody. Um, yeah. You, right. And I was kind of texting you about this and Stingray. I was like, you either have to be a huge Beatles fan mm. um, or, or somewhat tied into like, if you're a musician, like if you've ever sat around writing songs with your friends or your band, yes, you can totally relate to like the goofy, you know, the goofing off the kind of like the fly on the wall kind of like. We, you know, we're not worried about getting it now. We'll get it later kind of thing like that whole that whole approach. I loved it. I know a friend of mine who was excited for it to come out who's not a musician and he's a Beatles fan, but he's not like he doesn't he doesn't read books about him or anything. Yeah, sure. And he was bored with the first episode. You could sort of you could maybe yeah. skip around a little bit, I think. Yeah. But it's hard because there's so many little cute moments that like you'd want to see yeah. that you wouldn't know where they are. So that's a that's a really good call. I agree. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's for everybody. Maybe that they're. I don't know how, but there maybe they could have made like a two and a half hour version just for yeah the layman. I also saw a post from from a musician friend of mine, um, and I don't know if you're friends with him too on Facebook, but he doesn't want to watch it because he doesn't want to watch his favorite band in kind of the turmoil of their you know the you end don't want to see how the sausage gets made yeah kind of like in a way mm. um where everybody of course who was like commenting on it were like dude just watch it. you like you have well, that's to the watch thing I, I understand that. Uh, impulse i do i think yeah. and and i would be afraid I, I think maybe i had that fear a little bit I, i'm not as precious about like bands and that sort of stuff but no. if you do have those types of worries and then you watch it they will all be erased yeah. because you see it it isn't it isn't like this gloom and doom weird thing where mm-hmm. you're gonna like dislike your I, I think that to me the beals come out much more likable and like real and human and stuff coming 100%. out of this than the opposite so i, I totally yeah agree. i i think you should watch it yeah. in that case yeah yeah absolutely man yeah i I fucking loved it, dude. For me, I mean, I've done enough documentaries on this fucking You've done podcast. Them all. This was a perfect documentary for me. Wow. Because there was no narration, which I didn't think we needed. I think I liked how yeah. once in a while they'd be like, oh, that's Alan Parsons or that's, you exactly. know, they'd, they'd point people out on screen so you at least can kind of like know who they are. Um, and they do some, you know, they talk about Epstein dying and stuff. Mm-hmm. They do some recap. And then, you know, before every episode, they kind of just talk about like the 60 hours of, you know, they have like, they have to write all these songs and shit. And yeah, they give you a little like just uh, kind of a catch Netflix up. Uh, summary. But no narration. You just, ha- it's just you and the band. Mm-hmm. So I truly felt like I was in the room with them the whole time, man. I all right. Sneeze. Caesar? Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Um, that is the thing. It puts you at the fly in the wall, it puts you in the room I with loved them. And, it. and I mean, that's just like invaluable I, I never thought i'd get to see something like this yeah me too it was fucking it was so cool that i wish there was more documentaries just like it with other bands i'd love to see one on zeppelin i'd love to see one that's just you know, like oh by the way we just have this like 
treasure trove of footage sitting there waiting for you to fucking dissect. That would be amazing. I kind of do wonder, I mean, um, you know, Peter Jackson's incredible, but you do wonder if more of these will come out with other directors and people willing to go through that much footage. Well, and, and, and hopefully, I mean, it's got to be about a band that like people actually care about too. Yeah, like if it was like one of the big five hitters, you know, yeah. Zeppelin or The Stones or something where it's, but it, it, was, it, it was in a specific time, you know, like we've heard folklore about The Stones or I mean uh, Zeppelin recording on like a mountaintop and shit in this old castle yeah, and stuff. Exactly. But if there was footage from back then, I would love to see Dude, stuff I'd like give anything that. to watch the yeah. version of something like this when they made, you know, like Zeppelin 4 or yeah. some shit like yeah. that. It's a little bit like uh, Exile on Main Street is a little bit like this. Yeah. You know, because there's not a lot of narration. They're in this one time locked in, you know, recording in this mansion. Then the drugs get out of control. So um, for me, ah, it's fucking awesome, dude. I'm going to watch it again. For are you sure. going to sorry? Do you ha- are you going to give it like a, a rank, a totally arbitrary rank? I mean, honestly, it's the best documentary I've seen all year at least. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. dude. Solid 10. 10 out of 10 rooftops. Dude, I want to give a full round of applause for that. that. I'm so excited to hear that. I mean, I it was more than I expected. I think I, I, I want to give it a 10. I think I'm going to give it a 9 because of what you said just now which i think is ultimately true in that it's for us maybe the best kind of documentary but not for everyone no no not at all i'm sure there's going to be reviews about it about how people were bored to tears watching it right you know it was six hours too long or something like that or fucking eight hours too long depending (laughs) on how you feel about the beatles yeah so um so fuck dude i i had so much fun sharing it with my other friends who are who are beatles fans exactly asking them what they thought of it did they see it i've gotten nothing but it's gonna be holiday talk in the in the in the the households of america yeah absolutely but again you know i think if you're not a fan or if you just don't care you're gonna have a hard time watching it for sure dude yeah, I can think of no better way to, to wrap this up other than the fact that, you know, speaking of too many two hours long, this episode <laughs> might know, be one of them. a whopper, dude. But thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. We love you. And if uh, if you made it this far, go make some music. Or watch the Beatles documentary. <laughs> if you listened to this whole episode and didn't and watch didn't the Beatles watch it, documentary, holy shit. I sincerely apologize.